If you're looking for the best horror, thriller, sci-fi and WTF audio fiction this side of the apocalypse, then you should listen to The Other Stories. With over 500 stories on the podcast feed already and news stories dropping every single Monday morning, The Other Stories is your new best friend. Check out The Other Stories today on any and all podcast platforms or head to theotherstories.net. After all, these aren't the stories your mother used to tell you. These are The Other Stories. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. the horror hangout a podcast where two bearded film fans watch the best and worst horror movies ever and talk about them my name is ben errington and i'm joined by regular co-host mr andy conduit turner just the two of us today ben it's always strange isn't it it's always just something strange in the podcast world neighborhood who are you gonna call not Luke Condor, because he's not here, unfortunately. <laughs> you know around. what he is. You know what he is, Ben. <laughs> What's that? I'm in poorly, isn't he? He's... <laughs> I'm laughing, but obviously I, I, I don't find it funny that Luke Condor is poorly. I'm devastated that he's poorly, but yeah, he is poorly. Um, something's happened to him. He's been slimed, possibly. Yeah, possibly possibly slimed. He has some slime um, in his throat and doesn't have much of a voice, so... <laughs> That is the worst. That is the worst podcasting ailment that you can have. Yeah. Like technically speaking, while medically more serious, if you've broken an arm, mm. you can still podcast. But yeah. that poorly voice can't. What about a leg? Same. Yeah. It's a sitting down yeah. job. I'm sitting down right now. Back. Yeah, back could be fine. You could podcast lying down. Like I think a lot of physical injuries, as long as you weren't in imminent danger. Heart. Do it. Yeah, your heart. Gotta be careful that you need your heart to podcast. Yeah, you kind of need your heart. If your heart's not in it, then what is the point do. in all of this do. shit? And also, if it, if it beating irregularly, it could uh, really mess up the thing. You'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you Jump know. scares in a podcast. Yeah, get well, get well soon, Luke, and you and your slimy throat. Oh yeah, get well soon. I hope your voice comes back uh, and you can start talking again. Can't usually can't shut him up, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we wish him we wish him well. He'll be back next week, I'm sure. Uh, but we're on the last episode of November. 
which I was kind of like taking stock of everything. I can't believe it's nearly December. I don't think we even planned what we're going to be covering on the show for December. I'm sure we'll do that very soon. Remember, remember the start of December is what we'll be saying. Remember, remember the start of December. Well, Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City will be out. Don't know if we're going to make that for episode one of December, but maybe number two. Yeah, I think that's Um, the only that's the only new horror thing that's out in December, right? I think so. And they have been firing out like promo videos and TV spots, whatever they're called, and like little Easter egg videos, like all over the shop, like character um, sort of character profiles. I've tried to stop watching stuff now because I feel like I've seen a trailer. I've seen well, I've seen two trailers. That's kind of all I need. I don't want to see any more. We'll just we'll go into experience, which is why I think with the film we're covering today, I didn't. I watched the first trailer, possibly maybe the second, but there was a final trailer, which that I you didn't watch. Purposely avoided. Yeah. Is that the one now? Forgive me, I forget it was who told who told us. It was someone at our table at Thought Bubble the other week because there was someone said, oh, have you seen the new trailer for it? And we were like, no. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. This this bit when these, I mean, we'll say it for anyone who hasn't watched it. It's only been out a week or two. So spoilers yeah. for anyone if you're trying to avoid everything. Um, big, big spoilers for this film. For we're going to go into full spoilers anyway. So if, you, if you're going to watch it and you really <laughs> care, pause now until you've seen it. But... It happened to Ben and I. We were standing at our table at the comic convention and a friendly person was talking to us. I forget who it was, just saying, oh, in the last trailer where the uh, the original Ghostbusters turn up, we're like, literally just drawing breath to self, stop watching trailers so nothing gets yeah. spoiled. I mean, I kind of, we you kind of knew, you kind of, I mean, I kind of assumed that they were sure up. that was going to happen in some way, shape or form. But like, I guess for it to be confirmed, even minimally like that, it's kind of frustrating because I would have liked the moment it happened, it would have been more like, oh, wow, amazing. But I kind of knew it was coming. Um, but yeah, there we go. But don't, I'm not I'm not the kind of person who doesn't want to watch any trailers. I'm, very, I'm, a, I'm a big trailer fan. I like seeing those initial trailers, maybe a second trailer. But as soon as I start to feel like, you know what way the marketing's going to go. It's going to start just including all the all the good stuff. Yeah. I'm, I, I'd like to say I had a rule for it, but I don't think I do because I try, I, I watched very little um, beyond the first Candyman trailer, for example. Yeah. But then not moments before we got on this call to record, I watched the first five minutes of, of New Jurassic Park. So. Yeah. So they're yeah. calling that, they're calling that, that's a lovely segue there. Mr. Andy Conduit Turner. That is, uh, <laughs> I was going to, in horror news, I was going to bring this up just because, I mean, it's horror adjacent news, right? Because yeah, dinosaurs, dinosaurs are scary. If a dinosaur came into your house right now, put it to you that you'd be scared. Depends which one. Uh, I'll probably be scared of all of them, actually. Even those little compies, they're little buggers, aren't they? If a bit, like, even if one of the friendly planting ones, a Brachiosaurus, turned up in your living room now, oh, my see. goodness, your plaster's <laughs> going to be ruined. The sneeze in your face. Yeah. <laughs> oh god jesus god bless you um so yeah they've released like an epic words i'm just reading this here who says if it's epic or not a five minute opening prologue so who i mean is this going to be in the movie they're calling it a prologue if that's the first um, five minutes of the movie yeah i'm it's guessing like... it's the opening scene or something oh okay have we had a trailer for this have i imagined that um has there been a tra- i think there's been a teaser and um yeah old 
Ian Malcolm it, himself was going through the, a little bit. We've seen a little bit of a taste, but I'm not sure how much of that is. I can't honestly can't remember what's going on. Um, uh, that's one good. That's one good thing, I guess, is that I'm good at watching trailers and then kind of forgetting about them. Yeah. Um, for a while, and then <laughs> when I'm watching the movie, I'm like, oh yeah, that was in the trailer. It's, it's all coming back to me now. And then uh, ha- happened with today's film as well. Uh, have you been guilty of watching a few frames of the lizard possibly being kicked or not kicked by an invisible <laughs> Spider-Man? I mean, <laughs> I feel like with that, with the Spider-Man stuff, I'm all for seeing, seeing spoilers because I just want to see all the cool stuff, you know? I mean, I don't... I, we, we expect what's going to happen is going to happen and we kind of understand... Again, with the with the original Ghostbusters turning up in this, we kind of expect this to happen. Everyone's going to be really pissed if not. But <laughs> but at the same time, I just loved seeing like that that trailer, for example, gave me goosebumps. So as soon as I started hearing um, Green Goblin, his little his little narration part, I was like, oh yeah, that's good. I like it. So stuff like that, I'm not too bothered. I think it's usually with stuff where I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. Like absolutely no idea. Yeah, like yeah, I, I get, I get you. Like, if there are, in a way, if there are expectations, you uh, you aren't so fussed already. But if it's something, it's a complete mystery. But with the Spider-Man stuff, like I've been reading stories for years where it's like Alfred Molina linked to returning to Spider-Man. Jamie Fox has been cast in Spider-Man. Willem Dafoe spotted. Do you know what I mean? It's all that stuff. So it's all all the pieces are there. So seeing it in a trailer yeah. kind of just confirms a lot of this stuff. I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing that movie. Is that it's before Christmas, right? Yeah, it's like mid-December. Oh. Who would be the who would be a character that hasn't been in any of the trailers that you would like to see pop up? Like what a about... totally a totally new villain or a totally new character, you mean? Maybe new or maybe like someone who's been in the franchise already. I was thinking like the Russian uh Dude, the Russian landlord dude from the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Okay. <laughs> him, and his, him, and, him and his daughter with the uh, cookies, with, with the cookies and milk. Um, <laughs> if we go, if we're going really bold, see Gwen Stacy come back to life. See Emma Stone turn up. My goodness. Yeah. That'd be a that'd be a crazy Crisis. twist. Because there is, I mean, I'm assuming you've seen the last trailer, yeah. The yeah, recent trailer. yeah, there is a, a moment, and again, we're spoiling the trailer for Spider Man uh, No Way Home. There is a moment which mirrors Gwen Stacy's demise in The Amazing Spider Man 2. So, uh, I, I read something, seen it all. I read something somewhere as well saying, Imagine if in that moment that to- Tom Holland couldn't save her, but but Andrew Garfield could. Redemption. Sure, I've done this before, practice. <laughs> yeah, practiced, and I shot a little web out. And do you remember the web had a tiny little hand? Yeah, come on, yeah, come on. yeah. Shoot it a bit quicker this time, but yeah, <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to it. it. Should be really good. Yeah, I'm. I am looking forward to it. It's always good to know that um, there's still a few more big movies to arrive before the end of the year that we're looking forward to. So, yeah, yeah, we've had quite. Nice. We, we, it feels like after I think I said a couple of weeks ago it felt like we reached critical mass where everything that had been held had been held for as long as anyone could hold it anymore. And then it all just... Can you, can you give me a metaphor of, of any sort? Uh, the whole film industry blew its beans all over, all over our cinema screens. And oh, God, give me a chance. At least give me a tissue before you, before yeah. you give me another one. Yeah. Um, and we were in a right sticky old mess trying to get a chance to see everything. And I think... Sadly, 
I think films that aren't quite the size <laughs> of a James Bond or a Ghostbusters, things that are still very good. I think we both enjoyed Last Night in Soho quite, you know, quite a lot. But from what I heard of box office after the first couple of weeks, it hadn't done incredibly well. And I know that I even struggled to get to see it at the cinema because the timings available to go and see it were just god awful. It was like during the working day in the week. And I think I managed to go at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning or something like that in the end, which is a shame. Because I think think just after the Halloween rush of spooky films normally, early November, probably something like that probably would have been the main film that a lot of people had gone to see. But there have been so many other things that have been delayed for so long out at the same time. Still not got around to Venom yet either, but, you know, there have to be sacrifices, I guess. Or the Eternals. No, I haven't seen that yet. Um, On that note, did you hear, have you heard Ridley Scott? Flapping his gums this week. Oh, if I, if I, is it, is it one of these things? Like, is it just a thing that when a, a big legacy name director has a film out, I'm not sure whether they actually go out to say those things, or yeah. it's a bit of a cynical press trick because basically it gets an awful lot of eyes yeah. on that thing. Whether it's people going, no fuck you, um, <laughs> you tell you what, mate, I put it to you. Hey, you're boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just, a, I mean, it is a generational thing. Like, you can't expect many of these sort of like directors who are like, who are literally 80 years old, like him, Martin Scorsese, um, to really, like, obviously, they're, they're auteurs and they're amazing filmmakers. But at the same time, I can totally understand why they might be annoyed at streaming or Marvel movies. Or stuff like I mean I love I love all that stuff, but I can understand why filmmakers of that ilk might feel a bit frustrated. So what he basically was saying was that his movie The Last Duel was a bit of a box office failure, and he says it boils down to audience brought up on these goddamn cell phones. He used the f word, very rude. Oh, um, rude. And he's saying about millennials and uh, not ever wanting to talk anything unless you talk on a cell phone. Not entirely true. Um, I'll be taught many things on various size screens at any yeah. time. It's um, not like also, an old person to make a sweeping generalization. It's it not, actually is. It? Got him. <laughs> <laughs> it actually is. Oh, you fell for that. Hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. Um, I think the last year opened alongside some very big films, right? So yeah. I think it opened around about the same time as, I want to say Bond. I want to say maybe a Marvel. I don't know. Maybe Shang-Chi, possibly. Yeah, and Shang-Chi was huge. Like, it, it, um... it, but it, him saying that, like a movie, like so the last duel, which is a period piece, um, like looks uh, great. Does look great, but for something like the Green Knight did really well, both critically. I don't know about box office wise, but it did well critically. I'm sure it made a nice amount of money. The fact that I mean that's those films are like cut from similar cloth, you know, even though the the, the first movie we mentioned last duel isn't so much fantasy based. But still, like I don't know, it's, it's it seems like the wrong. To, it, it just makes you look like a bitter, yeah, bloke. And I love. Yeah. I mean, I love. I love Ridley. He's, yeah, he's I think some of my favorite films ever. I think there's there are things that aren't his fault as a film creator as to why his film has done well or not well in the box office. <laughs> there are so many factors about the everything that's going around on the business side of of the film industry right now 
But I don't think the problem is of your is of the audience or of any other films. Like it's not Marvel films' fault if your film didn't do well at the box office. And it's certainly not the fact that whether people get their information from their phones, their, their phones' fault either. Like it's a, on you your know, phone where you can get any piece of information ever in the world directly onto your eyes within seconds. Yeah. What a world to live in. Can you imagine can you imagine if that was the thing when you were a kid? Like if you could literally do that, if you could literally go on YouTube and go, I want to watch every Stone Cold Steve Austin match. You can just do the fact is as well though, like I'm pretty sure if I think back to the past, people used to read the newspaper and stuff all the time. Their eyes it's the same thing. People just absorbed information in a in a different way. Like, I think you could argue that with a film like that not doing well, there are there are, there are marketing issues, there are timing issues, there are all kinds of things that that are a factor to it. But at the end of the day, if your if your film has failed to find an audience and you feel it's underperformed as a film creator, not because of anything else. Like at the end of the day, as a director, if your check cleared, um, you know, and you know you're let you're a legendary creator no one's going to not give ridley scott another film to make anymore your your name will carry you through having a having a film that underperforms at the box office yeah like or you know what you probably got millions and millions of dollars if it's not for you anymore retire perhaps um, it is perhaps it is like a, a marketing issue as well because i think i saw one trailer for it in the cinema and that was the first time i'd even heard of that film and i would consider myself to be someone who follows a lot of different studios and actors and stuff on social media looks at various film news websites a lot and for that to be the first i'd heard of the movie i mean who's to say a a marketing issue of some sort but also i guess my but it's yeah either way it's not it's not the audience's fault it's like that you know it's the the skinner thing no it is the children who are wrong yeah (laughs) that's exactly the meme that's exactly the meme i thought of and exactly the meme i saw so yeah um so basically what we're saying is jurassic world dominion has a five minute long prologue um where a t-rex is essentially in a drive-in movie theater not there to watch a film now no don't drive tiny arms yeah that's the only reason just what she just walks in and uh, chased I, by a helicopter. I, I, enjoy, I, enjoy, I enjoyed the change from he to she on the T Rex. That shows your Jurassic Park knowledge. Yeah, is all the all the, the roof. all the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park are female. Exactly, but they can like, change, so it doesn't matter because of that frog DNA. So could be it should I suppose we should use a neutral pronoun for all the dinosaurs. They yeah, they walked into the old uh, driving movie theater. Okay, uh, other bits of news we got. So there's a. English language remake of Train to Busan um, being made, right? Do you know this? I think you knew this. I didn't yes. know this. They, oh, they're making an this. English language. Is it still the Train to Busan? Is it, is it a train to oh. Peck and Rye? It officially has a title now. So I'll tell you the directors first, because this is an interesting choice of director, which makes me kind of think, oh, okay, I am interested. So it's Timo Tejanto who directed The Night Comes For Us, made A Devil Take You, and that lovely section of VHS 94. The Robots one. The Robots, yes. So, um, and it has been titled. So initially I saw the title and I went, eesh. But 
then I saw who the director was attached to it. And I also saw somebody, an artist on Twitter, make like a fan poster. Well, make like a, a, a poster concept, sorry, not necessarily a fan poster, of the movie, which is called Last Train to New York. Okay. So that title alone didn't fill me with joy. I don't know why. I was a bit like, what? What? Um, but now, with, with all this extra information, I'm a bit like, okay, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens, yeah? Yeah. All right, zombies yeah. On I'll, a, zombies on a train. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go. It's Again, it's one of those things. Like, I would say with films like that, a, a remake after such a short time as well, hmm. what, what, whatever you feel was it was in the past, I would say they are decreasingly <laughs> necessary now that with the likes of Netflix and other streaming services, I think world cinema and things from, you know, non, you know, non-English language films are not the niche, you know, get it yeah. on, get it on special order on, on DVD five years <laughs> after it came out that it used to be. And not even yeah. the greatest distance ago, like when I was at uni, like I know I remember reading about Battle Royale and Empire and then yeah. scouring dvd places until i could until i could find a copy of it and it wasn't for another six months that i found a copy anywhere um yeah what was it was it tartan tartan asia tartan extreme? asia extreme yeah <laughs> got that got <laughs> the audition i think i got yeah so i think i got that i think that's where i, I first saw things like hard boiled and uh all of like the old boys, Lady Vengeance, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, all that stuff was Tartan. Yeah, all of those were from Tartan Asia Extreme. We don't need Tartan Asia Extreme anymore now. Literally, the biggest thing on Netflix ever is 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 a Korean series. Like it's yeah. and and it shows that it's not just a one off because there's a new Korean series called Hellbound, which is apparently doing really I, well. Watch the first episode of it today, Ben. Some big muscly venom well, guys well, give well. people a thumb pin is what happens in that. <laughs> right, that's it. I don't like uh, Yeah. Uh, they come they come in like the police in like a Benny Hill, like oi, 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 oi. And they come in and they just and if they've told you they're gonna get you. Um, are they deck? Are they like deck collectors? They are. They, right. It is, it's it is it is like a WWE like run-in. On the ring, oh, basically, yeah. there's in the opening scenes. There's a there's a chap sitting in the cafe, and he's a bit. It's a bit like the um, spoilers for the first episode, and I've got no context for it. So spoilers for the actions of the first episode of Hellbound, everyone. <laughs> but um, it's a bit like that film I talked about a couple of weeks ago called Countdown, where you've got something where uh, you've been yes, told yes. when you're going to die, <laughs> uh, except it isn't an app on your phone. A big god face appears to you and says, you, mate, are going to die at five o'clock on Thursday. And then... I've got things to do. Well, you've got to do them before five o'clock on Thursday, because when that time rolls around, then it shows there's a guy in a cafe. He's looking a bit stressed as the time ticks over. And then there's a bit of a breath, because it's like, oh, time's ticked over and I've, and I've not died. But what happens then is big, sinewy, venomy men that look like, that look like gorillas... What are they but called? Big, Have they got names? I don't know. They haven't got names that I, I've said. But they look like big, big burly, <laughs> big burly venom gorillas burst in, um, and everyone can see them. They're not like, well, I guess they're ghosties because they're a bit smoky as well. Yeah. Um, but everyone can just see them, and they just, oh. they just, they just rock up and they thump you to death. 
And they do like Dragon Ball Z like anime fighting where they like grab you by the face with a big hand and then push you along a bus. Uh, um, yeah, it's and then they absolutely like crater you into the floor and they just stand over you, thump you, and then burn you into a skeleton and take you to hell. It takes um, hell. Okay, that's the hellbound. Um, sure. Yeah. Said so they go you hellbound and they send you off. Um, You're really hellbound. You were in the first episode. The police are investigating it. There is a guy who is kind of like he leads a cult, but he's just dead nice about it and says, "I don't run a cult. I'm just nice." And people go, "Do you want my seat on the train?" He goes, "No, thanks. That's all right." And he goes, "See, don't take advantage <laughs> of people. Didn't even want the seat off that woman on the train." Um, and my legs, my legs are absolutely killing me as well. So yeah, I've been up, I've been on my feet all day. You saw me give a speech just now. Um, so I'm going to stick with it. I've watched the first episode. Um, I don't know what's driving those those folks mm. to come come and thump people. Um, yeah. But I'm here for some more of it. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't seem as interesting a concept as as some other things. But at the same time, if I hear more good things about it i'll probably will check it out i don't i haven't got enough for a verdict yet but watch the opening scene and see what see what you think same for the folks on the socials let us know what you think of hell thumpers should we stick with it hell thumpers hell thumpers i mean that sounds like a better better name right <laughs> oh yeah i definitely watch that more so than hellbound if you just yeah, give it you, titles of two got, things you gotta watch out there because they do absolutely deck you yeah thump you to custard <laughs> thump you to absolute porridge uh i mean that might not be a saying so apart from that the only other piece of news that i saw which is basically just what i'm going to add to my christmas list i think is that there's a book coming out called the art of goosebumps it's a book which as like a coffee table book which spotlights all the original goosebumps book covers in all of their lovely glory with no text on them at all just like the love original paintings Sounds absolutely delightful. I'm definitely going to try and get my hands on that. Yeah. And that is being released on the 30th of November. Uh, Yeah. I think there's so many of those images from the the Goosebumps books that have stuck with me for so long. Some of them I haven't even looked at for so many years. And I'm looking at I can still picture the mask one. God. Yeah. Holding up the haunted mask. Yeah. Um, On the cover, it's got like, Welcome to Horrorland. There's like a werewolf. There's a blob with a long tongue. Obviously, the dummy. What was his name? Slappy. That's it. <laughs> That's it. But yeah, I might get that. I was, I was thinking recently about maybe going back and buying some like old Goosebumps books. But then we should um, do it. And I'm just, always just for throwing, the collection. Now I'm always throwing this this out then. But we should do a bonus episode where we will chat about an episode of Goosebumps or Are You Afraid of the Dark or Don't Be Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, that would be good. I'd be, I'd definitely be up for that. I would we'll like watch to really the, we'll watch, we'll watch the Ryan Gosling episode of Goosebumps. <clears throat> oh yeah, of course. I remember that. I remember trying to watch Goosebumps on when it was on Netflix. I don't know if it is anymore. And thinking, yeah, I probably can't watch this. It's not. It's just, it didn't age so well. Maybe it's maybe because as a kid, it's a bit creepy. But this, I was a bit like, oh god. I mean, the theme tune is absolutely banging, though. You can't argue with that. Do you like the bit when the dogs on the screen get spooky eyes, and then the dogs go? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best bit. I've woke my dog up by dogs. doing that. Obviously, uh, it was a very good dog impression. It was a good dog impression. I wonder what you actually said. Goosebumps, 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 goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, it's like goosebumps is on. Jeez, I haven't seen that for proper time. I haven't seen that for. <laughs> 
absolutely ages. Okay, so that is that in terms of horror news. Is it, have you got anything you wanted to talk about that you've seen this week? Oh, we've talked um, Hellbound. We've talked to we've talked we've talked Hellthumpers. Um, other than that, I think I already mentioned it. Stop me if you've heard this one before, Ben. I told you I watched Maniac Cop two not long ago. I went back to that that well and that series. Did you tell um, me that? I can't remember. Um, maybe I just maybe I just texted you guys when I was watching it. But yeah, I watched the second Maniac Cop. Despite the fact, and spoilers, we lose the main characters from the first one about a third of the oh, way okay. in. Oh, what they die or yeah, they get they get maniacs. Um, oh, yeah, sure. but I think it might be a better movie. Oh, it okay. feels a lot more a lot more fun seeing what happens to Matt Cardle. Is and... it the same dude playing him? The uh, the chin. Not Bruce yeah, yeah, Campbell, yeah. but the other chin. Yeah, the, the, other the chin actual man. the actual maniac cop. I think he's the same guy, and it follows on literally from the very end of the first one. Um, oh yeah, I love that. It's worth watching, you know. Like, <clears throat> I think it picks up for the story, and it and it's made me like the first one more. Yeah, that's good. Um, uh, and it actually has a proper resolution. Like it, it it comes full circle. I liked I liked Maniac Cop too, and then what else have I watched? Um, I've been trying to get through a bit of a backlog, you know. I did, um, I finished Halloweens. I've done all the Halloweens and, you know, I got to do even all the Robert Zombie ones. Um, we're going nice. to do a little bonus chat about that. But then I also watched both parts of the Batman animated, The Long Halloween. Ah, yeah. I saw that a little while ago. What do you reckon? It's all right, isn't it? Yeah, I thought it was all right. It was good. I mean, I'm, uh, the comic is like up there with one of the best sort of Batman graphic novels. Um, and I think it did its best to include as much as possible from it. It's kind of like a who's who of um, the rogues gallery as well, and everyone seems to get a little bit of a a little bit of a go. Yeah, oh, I, I liked it well enough. I've seen. I think there are animated um, the WB animated ones. I think there are ones that are more compelling. I'm not sure that it has. Yeah, the iconic the iconic story. A lot more of it, I think, is in the telling and the the thinking of it. And I like the kind of murder mystery elements of it. I'm not sure it has levels of action that necessarily needed um, to be yeah. to be done in an animated sense. But bearing in mind, someone has bothered to make it. I enjoyed watching it well <laughs> enough. It was good. Yeah, there was an injustice animated movie as well, wasn't there? Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. I've got a couple of the other ones. I was gonna maybe use this as a springboard to do a couple i haven't seen there's an assault on arkham that i wanted to watch which has got suicide oh, squad yeah. in it um I'm pretty sure i've seen that pretty sure i've seen that a few years i ago. really enjoyed um this is a long time ago superman doomsday back in the day is all right um yeah. but a few of them have can I think the really hold the candle to just the old um justice league series is very good Oh yeah, the Flashpoint um, animated film was was alright as well. I have seen that one. Yeah, it's right. They do they do they do good stuff. They're all like enjoyable to a degree. Um, not quite as good as the comics. They're usually based on um, and not like they don't blow you away, but they're like, oh, that's a faithful enough retelling of that. Yeah, and they're nicely uh, animated. They look nice. It's good to sit and yeah. wash them Is over. It, yeah, the animated like Dark Knight Returns and the Dark Knight Strikes again. Say strikes back, strikes, strikes back, or again, one or the other. <laughs> it's one or the other. They were pretty good as well, but I feel like sometimes the the art the art on the pages is so distinctive 
that kind of just giving it that standard DC animated look doesn't always doesn't like, always do it, it doesn't yeah. always quite work. There's something about it, but yeah. Um, is that it? What you see? Yeah, I think so. How about you? You seen anything else? Uh, the only thing I've really seen worth note, because I've, I've just been watching any old crap on Netflix, it seems, this week. It's been one of those weeks where I've just been like, I'll just put this on. So I've been watching Tiger King Series 2. Oh, yeah, he's uh, back, isn't he? He's back, yeah. But there's not really much to say about that. It's just more of the same. Um, but movie-wise, I saw <laughs> I saw Paranormal Activity Next of Kin. Oh, yes. And um, what do you think of that? Now, I'm not very familiar with this, the franchise Paranormal Activity. I've definitely seen the first one and I think I may have seen the second one, but I don't remember anything about it. So I'm, I've got no real connection to the series. I've got really no like, like or dislike of it. Um, So, but this movie feels like something else entirely. It doesn't feel quite like if you put another title to it, it would probably just work well as that. The fact it's got paranormal activity attached to it doesn't really mean much apart from the fact it's, it is essentially found footage, but there's no like setting cameras up to capture paranormal stuff. Um, and in terms of paranormal stuff, it's um, yeah, well, there's no point spoiling it, but it's pretty standard. It's watchable. Uh, there are a few lazy jump scares, but I quite like the finale. Like the last sort of 15, okay. 20 minutes was all right. Like I, I... I got, I got along with this far more. And this is what like reading the reviews, a lot of people hated this film, but the fact that, it was kind of it was just about the same level of what well received as the deep house which i mentioned last week that these are worlds apart <laughs> really really worlds apart and the reason they're worlds apart is just because of the lead performances like the lead if you had the act the, the lead two actors essentially in paranormal activity next of kin if you had them in the deep house it would have been a far better film it just felt it just shows you how far a really basic plot can a good go performance with, can go yeah it, yeah so i was I don't know if I was impressed, but I was not bored, if that makes sense. Right. I wasn't, no, I was, I I wasn't could, bored. I want to give that a go, I think. I like paranormal activity well enough for what they are. I think in every paranormal activity, there is something that is effective. It might not be enough to carry a movie for everyone, but in all of them, there has been something like... You know, they did very well with the creepy, long-standing effects and uh, the use of shadows and when things are obscured in the first one, even though the boyfriend character is terrible and probably deserves to be thrown across a room. Um, is that the, the first one, yeah? Yeah. The second one, is the second one the one that's set in the 80s and they have an orgy of evidence that it's the 80s, including a liberal use of a Teddy Ruxpin? Um, <laughs> I don't I honestly that, That's, that's do either two or four. I think number three is the one where they use the Xbox. The X, Xbox Connect can detect ghosts. That's always useful to know nice. you've got one of those. Nice. Um, but yeah, like they're a, they're a good enough they're a good enough series. Um, no, only a minor point in terms of connective tissue between them is famous demon Toby in in this one. Ben is does, that the free, to- is that does, is that a free, does, a free toad guy? Does Toby make an appearance in this? No, no. It's kind of like completely different, I would say. Like, so it's the next of kin from Toby as well, then, as well as uh, yeah, it's, yeah. I'm gonna give I'm, it a go. Yeah, I mean, I I pretty much had no interest in it, but then it kind of popped up, and I was a bit like, hang on a minute, okay, let's have a little look, let's have a look, see. 
right. but apart, apart from that, that is pretty much all I've seen this week because it's just been one of those weeks again where life is just drifting. It's a busy, by. busy season, isn't it? We've got work to finish. We're getting towards Christmas, so there's lots of people to visit that you only see once a year. All that, all that gubbins. All the bloody gubbins, and also we want to get to the cinema to watch the latest release, which is the film of the week. That is the part of this podcast, right? I feel like yeah. <laughs> I was just about to say, have I missed a complete section of the podcast where we're like, hang on a minute. Right. What about we're all we good. talk about our favourite meal that we've had this week? No, we get letters about those. But yeah, we'll... Uh... <laughs> yeah, but, so... Yeah, film of the week. Film of the week is finally, finally, we've been waiting for ages for this, haven't we? It is Ghostbusters Afterlife is a 2021 American supernatural comedy film directed by Jason Reitman, uh, son of Ivan Reitman, which is very key to this. Uh, the film stars Carrie Coon, Finn Wolfhard, McKenna Grace, and Paul Rudd. And then there's some spoilers in this description. I know we're going to spoil it anyway, but um, it's the sequel to Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2, both directed by Reitman's father, Ivan, and the fourth film overall in the Ghostbusters franchise. Uh, the plot... When a single mum and her two kids arrive in a small town, they begin to discover their connection to the original Ghostbusters and the secret leg- legacy their grandfather left behind. Well, well, well. Uh, very nice. Is, it, is this essentially vetoing 2016 Ghostbusters? I mean, it is, isn't it? Because Ghostbusters don't exist in 2016 Ghostbusters, if that makes sense. The 1984 Ghostbusters don't exist in the 2016 Ghostbusters. That's right. Yeah. So I think it just ignores that that one happens. And I know that there's a lot of opinions about the 2016 Ghostbusters. And um, before we get into this week's film, give him a hot take on the 2016 Ghostbusters, Ben. It's fine. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, it's just a fu- it's just a fun film that happened. Maybe yeah. some people didn't like it. I wasn't I... bothered by it. I, ne- I don't need to see it again. But when I sat Fine. down at the cinema to watch it. I always say the same few things when I discuss that film. Um, the thing is, multiverses are all the rage right now. So even though the, this version vetoes that, you know, if we're going to split the multiverse in some sort of ghosty spirit world thing and the four of them walk through, um, yeah. then then whatever, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> I, I really like, in the movie, I really like Leslie James. I thought she was great um, in the mm-hmm. Ghostbusters movie. She made me laugh. The things I always say about it was that the comedy felt slapstick and i always felt that the comedy in ghostbusters was very dry yeah and and that was something that uh, the ghosts looked a bit like they were from scooby-doo yeah and that's true i didn't like chris hemsworth's character either because i'm all for having a ditzy silly character but he was so stupid i was like people like that don't exist i'm sorry have you been out because no one's been out <laughs> recently um well yeah uh, that was that was kind of it apart from that you know i was fine w- with it and the existence of it i mean yeah sure yeah. i had enough fun i had enough fun with it i think if i'm trying to do any type of critical review i think it ran out of steam for the ending i'm not sure they knew how to mm. finish it and the end the ending is a classic big blue light in the sky um the problem is, is the the fandom, the gatekeeping of these franchises is is very silly because most of the time I think are they even like really fans of the films or are they just fans of they're like gatekeepers of nostalgia, people who tend to get angry yeah. about these things. 
and I think I think partially in many ways, like there'll be some that feel similar similarly, although probably maybe not to quite such an extreme way about about this take on it, I think. But the reality is is that the past is a foreign country, Ben. You can't you can't live there and also it's gone. It's it's over. Those things, <laughs> those gone, things mate. it's gone. The past it's been wiped the, past, the face of the earth. The past is the past <laughs> is gone. Um and the reality is that if you wanted a third Ghostbusters film that is set 25 minutes after the end of, of Ghostbusters 2 with all of those guys still in their youthful prime and, you know, a pint of milk was still 6D or whatever it was back then. Like, uh, you can't have it. It, well, it, it doesn't, well, doesn't, well, you, doesn't exist. You say that, but you have to experience it in video game form. That's pretty much it. That's fine. And the, the story of that video game is and it's, it's good. Yeah, and it's 15 hours long instead of two. So yeah. go, and, go and enjoy that. Yeah. And then come back because it almost feels like does the existence of this film and how it pans out is it the way i mean it is pretty much the way it is because of the 2016 film right it's almost like they've we've gone okay there are certain things that we need to include that we didn't include in 2016 that are gonna be that are gonna be much more well received than that movie almost like a greatest hits of ghostbusters in a way yeah yeah, this Where... I think this is to Ghostbusters what The Force Awakens was to Star Wars, right? Effectively speaking, it's a lot of the similar beats and the the things that you like. You know, there's oh, there's those dog ghosts here, and there's a there's a gozer, and there's some marshmallowmen. Um, I feel I feel like the, I mean that's like the final act of the movie. The final third of the movie goes full Ghostbusters, greatest hits. Um, but the first, the like the, the first two acts of the film, I think, are genuinely really quite good. It kind of like captures the vibe of Ghostbusters. It feels like one of those Amblin 1980s family movies, like an ET or something like that. Yeah. Um, but not in a JJ Abrams way, you know, like how JJ Abrams did it with Super 8 and stuff, where it felt a bit manufactured. It felt a bit like okay, it looks like the cinematography has been designed here to make it look like one of those movies. I feel like it felt a bit more natural for me in this film. Um, but then the final the final act, it does go full Ghostbusters Greatest Hits. And I think in my head, I'm thinking if 2016 Ghostbusters was like a cover, a cover song of the original Ghostbusters, yeah. that's what it feels. It's a cover, a tribute band, if you like. This feels like a gen, a, a genuine like. Okay, well, the tribute band have gone, and they we come back, and this is the, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't this know. is the this is the this is the reformed band with like the, the original band. the original lead singer. Like Slash has got together several other members of not Guns and Roses to come back here. Yeah, um, Buckethead, whoever that guy was in Guns and Roses. Um, so yeah, so I guess. In terms of like ratings of the film, what we got online at the moment is a seven point eight on IMDb, which is pretty high. Um, Rotten Tomatoes sixty three percent critic score, ninety five percent audience score. Audience are going wild for it. It seems three point four percent on Letterboxd. Got a few choice reviews, and Luke started something that was quite fun last week, which was filling in the blanks of oh, the on, choice reviews. So, 
Um, Finn Wolfhard is what happens when you go shopping for Timothy Chalamet at... Oh, um, it's going to depend on where this book writes from. Aldi. <laughs> oh, uh, oh it's, I mean, it's close. Walmart. It's obviously okay. a, an American film. I mean, Walmart is in the movie as well, you know. So yeah, Walmart is Asda as well, right? So I'm still not yeah. taking that as a win. Okay. Uh, so that was Dakota uh, Joaquin. Matt Singer says, uh, it's astonishing how something can be so faithful to an old movie and miss its point entirely. It's the blank meme for 125 minutes. Uh, that Leo pointing at the screen meme. <laughs> You've, you got it in one. You got it in one. It's Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at a TV screen meme for 125 minutes, which, yeah, n- not for 125 minutes. For at least for the ha- for the last half an hour, yes, yeah, and a couple of times throughout the rest, but not the rest. Um, okay, and then Caitlin on Letterbox says, "I want to adopt every single one of those baby marshmallows." This film was so mf sweet, y'all had me balling by the end. Also, Paul Rudd is a um, hot piece of ass. Did you say? Uh, pretty much, she said Dilf. I thought we were going to say Dilf. I didn't know if he had kids that I didn't want to assume. No, um, I didn't want to assume. I mean, in this film, he's definitely not got kids. His character, no. Gruber, Gruby Gruberson. Gary Gruberson, yeah. Um, I saw one of these reviews here from, from David, who says, one and a half stars. I'm giving Ghostbusters back to the fans, he says in a quote. And then he says underneath here, write script where one of the new Ghostbusters is called podcast. And I say to you, David... <laughs> leave our precious patron saint of podcasting out of it in your shenanigans i will hear not a word said about that boy and his fabulous hair um, Jesus. his hair um, looks like um you know like in in a cartoon or not necessarily even a cartoon in a movie when an explosion's happened and someone goes whoa that was an explosion and they've got like um like soot on their face and their yeah. hair is usually like that it looks like that's what his hair's like. But I'm, I'm calling it, like, of, of all the films, if we do any type of awards at the end of the year, Ben, best hair in a movie. <laughs> that kid has... How did you feel about him being called podcast? No, I liked it. It's stupid, but, like, he made it of himself. Like, it's fine. It's very, it's very stupid. He's given himself that nickname. You know when people give themselves a nickname? Yeah, Cobra. <laughs> Cobra and Viper, Viper of course. And all, all these guys. Um, Uncle Blade. <laughs> Uncle Blade. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I was fine with him being called podcast. It is it is fine. And also, bearing in mind these people that are very precious about these things, people are 40 plus that are really worried about things, probably do need podcasts explaining to you. No, that's fine. You're all right. <laughs> I need to be. Yeah, what's a bloody po- what's it? What's this said? bloody podcast he's got one subscriber we'll get to that uh yeah but yes. um yeah it was it was it was fine and i actually you know we'll come to the, the characters in a bit but i thought everyone in it was very nice and i like i i, I like like their moxie like their energy they bring into it then yeah 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 definitely um and also mckenna grace who's essentially the lead was was great and i think she's brilliant yeah, as far as I could tell, I mean, I might be making assumptions, but I think she's probably on the spectrum. And what I kind of enjoy about that is that she's on the spectrum and it's not a big deal. It's not 
sort of talked about as a big deal. We kind of made to understand that that is the kind of character she is. And also on paper, when you kind of say she's a kid, but she's so bloody smart that she'll be like, <laughs> it, on paper, you might be like, oh, insufferable, but absolutely not. Delightful. Yeah, she's still and... still a charming character as well. I, I liked it. They didn't represent the, you know, <laughs> someone who has you know somewhere on the autistic spectrum or what have you it wasn't it wasn't presented as ah it's like a superpower you know or that it's that they are really obnoxious it's that that she yeah. recognizes the itch that she has some difficulties in just a, dealing with people but it wasn't over the top i thought there were just a couple of lines which kind of drove it home without making a big deal of it and it was when she sort of explained that she processes emotions differently and she also said um, that when she's overstimulated, she finds it calming. You find it, yeah, yeah, exactly. So just little bits like that where you under, where you understand, like what kind of character she is and what kind of person she is, without it being, you know, how Hollywood sometimes portrays that someone being on the autistic spectrum, which is yeah, usually on in one of two ways, um, which is usually yeah, as you said, as having a superpower or them being quite obnoxious like so, that like the kid from the, the predator god you remember the kid from the predator see what yeah. see, i think uh, what what i'm coming to this, uh, understand is that i just push things out of my he head translates, he translates that predator language with his with his superpower uh, yeah, um yeah. and if we ever get around to covering burning bright then then we'll see a huge culprit oh, yeah <laughs> oh god i mean i've not i've not actually seen it but i do want to see it just oh man we'll get that on okay um uh, but yes but mckenna grace was really good who else did we got we've got paul rudd obviously america's sweetheart well, can you say a negative thing about paul rudd there was definitely a part of this film where he wasn't in the movie and i really noticed it you missed him i missed him but i think, I think the film missed him the film it was like the Poochie. Whenever him. he's not on screen, you should be asking, "Where's Gary?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Oh, love Poochie. Um, but yeah, in terms of like, it seemed like he was filling the the Rick Moran. Well, he wasn't filling the Rick Moranis role. I'm just saying that because he was the gatekeeper. He was the gatekeeper, right? He became was it was it the keymaster? The keymaster, the gatekeeper, keeper didn't quite work. Um, so yeah, essentially, it is the the family of Egon. So, so we're thirty two years after Ghostbusters two. Mm-hmm. Um, Carrie Coon plays Callie Spengler. I mean, it's not straight up obvious that they're related to Egon initially. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you got Carrie. So you Coon see that little girl's glasses, and you get yes, oh. and they're exactly the same. Uh, Finn Wolfhard's her son, Trevor Spengler. McKenna Grace is Phoebe Spengler. Um, Paul Rudd is the teacher. Ruby McGruberson, Gary Gary Gruberson, <laughs> Gary Gruberson. Uh, Logan Kim is podcaster. We've already mentioned who's Phoebe's friend. Uh, Celeste O'Connor's Lucky Domingo. So essentially, if we're looking at who are, who could be the next four Ghostbusters, yes, they're kids, but it, it looks like it's po- Trevor, Phoebe, podcast, and Lucky. Yeah, which you know, yeah, let's do it. Um, and obviously, with, without spoiling things. We're going to spoil it, obviously, but without dropping the, the shit right now, without jumping the shark right now, everyone who is anyone is also in it from the Ghostbusters. Well, from the main 
cast of Ghostbusters. From the main cast, right. Except Rick Moranis, because he hates being in anything, doesn't he, purposely? Isn't he, isn't he coming back? <laughs> Is he? Isn't, Rick Ren- isn't, isn't Ryan Reynolds bringing him back? Something along those lines? Oh. Because, like, obviously Rick Moranis, he retired from acting because um, his wife <laughs> tragically passed away and he took the time out to raise his kids. Obviously, yeah. um, I hope he didn't mind, shrink them. because of the linear nature of time, his kids are grown up now. So I believe there's some interest in him coming back. And I think Ryan Reynolds had something to do with had something to do with it. So we might see him return okay. at some point. Okay. Maybe like in, maybe in the next Ghostbusters. <laughs> oh, that would be nice. But yeah, I think they made a smart choice here and we'll come to it in the conclusions, I'm sure. But like with, if you're setting up something which is intended to be the start of a new franchise, which you don't need that much cynicism on board to imagine that this is what they would like to do here. Um, mm-hmm. If this does well, they would like to make more of them you're being very, very sensible by choosing people who are young now. The same way as it's wise to, when you cast Spider-Man, to cast someone who isn't already almost 30 when you start doing it, because then you can have several sequels out of them without them aging out of the roles. Yeah, makes total sense, yeah. Um, And also, there are some minor, minor roles for some pretty big names. So J.K. Simmons is in it as well. He pops up. Uh, Olivia Wilde pops up as well. Initially, I was like, is that Olivia Wilde? Oh, I think oh, it is. Oh, yeah. Who was J.K. Simmons um, now? Bokeem Woodbine as well, who we who plays the sheriff. We saw him most recently in Spider-Man Homecoming, I think, as Shocker. See, the Shocker, yeah. Well, there was like two of them trying to be the Shocker, weren't there, in, in that one? And he's the one that is the Shocker <clears throat> second. The one that ends up the one that ends up a shocker. And I also recognize him from, is he, is he in Fargo, the second series of Fargo? I've not seen the second series of Fargo, but everyone who's anyone is, and I can, but I can confirm he is in the second series of Fargo. He's very good. Yeah. Um, I just had that information to hand just in case. <laughs> just get uh, in my ear now. <laughs> Sorry. I just, uh, yeah. Yeah, Luke Condor can confirm he's 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 at home, but he's doing all the. He's got no voice, but he's doing our tech for us. Yeah, doing our tech and our research. Uh, yeah, so that's that. Um, so I guess we get. So where do we we begin? I guess before the the inciting incident. So we see spooky sort of mountain vista, a car speeding away from it, getting rammed by an invisible force, um, yeah. and an unseen man. Um, we never see a face and it becomes obvious what it is. It's, it's going to be Egon Spengler, who, of <clears> course, <throat> Harold Ramis is no longer with us. So he's he's portrayed primarily at this point in, in shadow and so on. We don't really see his face. So he's got a ghost trap with him. He's running away. There's something pursuing him. He gets it to his house and he looks to use some sort of machine in it, but it fails. It doesn't work. So he goes inside, sits in... You know, sits in his in his lovely chair, um, and then just waits and gets got, I guess, and he passes yeah. away. Yeah, are we supposed to believe that it's just like maybe he's been doing this for so long, and it's finally failed? Maybe this has been a huge, huge plan that's taken years and years and years to put together. Um, it hasn't paid off, so he's like, well, now I can finally rest. Um, 
and he gets got in the same way that do you remember when the arms came out of the chair in the original yeah. Ghostbusters and grabbed Sigourney Weaver in that way, um, which was, yeah. Again, that was the first Leonardo DiCaprio meme pointed at TV. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah. he gets got, sadly, um, but that that's all we see of him on screen. So if you were walking into this fresh and you had no prior knowledge of Ghostbusters. Do you think that's anyone seeing this at this point, Ben? Or is like, has anyone who's seen this seen Ghostbusters in the past? I mean, I guess like kids, because I took my daughter to see this um, and I was pretty sure. Now, I feel like she's pulling my leg here because I said, oh, yeah, like in the original Ghostbusters. She said, I've not seen the original Ghostbusters. I'm like, I may have showed it to her, shown it to her when she was pretty young. So she doesn't remember. So she definitely needs her, her memory jogged. A little bit but yeah i guess just like kids just because obviously these movies are coming out they've got like a, a star of stranger things um yeah it's kind of like ghost but i think everyone knows what ghostbusters is but maybe they've not seen the movie i don't know i feel like there is a wealth of parents seeing seeing this with kids for the first time and leaning over in the cinema and going <laughs> remember this is the guy sorry a bit of asmr <laughs> for you here oh and this is the guy that is uh that, you know, he was the in the original Ghostbusters. Yeah, there's like there's just a dearth of parents like explaining it to confused children. It's like the opposite of <coughs> parents I... going to new Star Wars with their with their kids and going, yeah, that's you know <laughs> explaining it forwards to them. I explained a couple of things just because um, I was worried that Megan was a bit like worried. She gets a bit worried sometimes. She's like um, kind of a bit scared. I can tell because she's like grabbing onto me a little bit. So. Um, there was a moment where I just lent over and explained to her, oh, they're not, they haven't been killed. They've just, I think they've been possessed. They'll turn up again. They'll turn up again in a minute, but they'll be possessed. And she was like, by what? And I was yeah, just kind of like explaining. <laughs> by, those, by those demon dogs, you know. By the demon dogs, mate, yeah. You uh, know, like any classic demon dogs, <laughs> your nephew's there. And he kills kids, Freddy Krueger. And he bloody kills kids. Can you believe it? Freddy Krueger, yeah. He's a nonce and he kills kids. <laughs> Horrible. It says it does say here that when Egon struggles with the entity, he suffers a fatal heart, heart attack. Was that? That was Oh, because he says that he died of natural causes, a heart attack. So maybe that's that's what happens. Maybe he um because obviously the, the monster is after him maybe it was trying to possess him mm. and he um and he man on fired it he denzel washington in. but like when that cartel's finally oh, got yeah. him and yeah. they go right denzel washington you aren't the man on fire anymore i'm gonna kill you but he goes ha i've chosen this moment to give up on life and die and he just like goes ah lovely now we've got to now we now we don't get to kill you and we have to dispose <laughs> of your body Great. Oh, damn it. He's um, like, <laughs> and then he saws himself. Dies like his fingers. <laughs> because um, if you're Egon and you suffered a, a heart attack just because of a ghost, you'd be well well annoyed because you've been dealing with ghosts your whole life. You'd be annoyed yeah. with yourself. You'd be like, oh, come on, you're not scared. Ah, it's just the stress of it all. <laughs> Famously, you have a song about not being afraid of any ghosts. Exactly, yeah. Maybe, Maybe the ghost was... pointed out that he said you're not being afraid of no ghosts. It's a double negative. So you shouldn't double be afraid negative. of ghosts. Because, oh, you've got me. Ah! That's you that's beat me. <laughs> I did enjoy the, uh, essentially, a field full of uh, ghost traps. Yeah. That's a lot, mine, isn't it? Like, how many how many did they have in stock, the old Ghostbusters? That's why he, he make them. He taxed them all, didn't he? That's why. 
See, taken off with him again. We'll get to this, but we're made to think that he stole everything. But something definitely happens where, yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, so it's around about this point, we're introduced to the main characters, the family, which is Callie, which is Egon's estranged daughter, uh, two children, Trevor and Phoebe. They're living in an apartment in I don't know if it's New York, somewhere, somewhere in the big city, and uh, in the big city. Classic, like they're going to get evicted. Um, Callie can't afford rent. The, the the landlord's a bit of a douche. Well, just wants his money, Danny, Danny, mate. Just wants his bloody money. Um, so because Egon's died, he's left some stuff to Callie, including the farm um, and some debt as well, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're, like unbeknownst to the kids at the time, they're not just going to go and pick these things up. They're going to have to go because that they didn't have the house to go back to anymore. They're being evicted. I kept thinking, notice when they they pa- t- you packed a lot for this weekend alone. I mean, oh, yeah, you packed literally everything. Also, did the kids take their whole rooms? Because if they didn't, you'd be like, no, I want to go back and get my collection of Pokemon cards. Ooh. God damn Pokemon it. cards. Now that probably pay that rent. Exactly. Come on. I've been collecting them for a reason. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, they drive all the way to so it's Somerville, Oklahoma, um, to to the house where Egon had been residing, and it is kind of like a shithole. A lot of people in uh, Somerville just call it the dirt farm. Yeah, call him the dirt farmer, and he's got like some spooky Bible verses up on the wall. Yeah, spray painted in nice yellow paint. That was very Alan Wake, wasn't it? The old uh, yeah. yellow spray paint. I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> on the I did, corrugated I did the- iron. <laughs> On the corrugated iron, I did the Leo pointing at the screen meme. Um, so yeah, and here's where we get the first throwback character, the first well, it's a very, very minor cameo, um, which is Janine, Annie Potts Janine. She turns up and says, um, he's left you this house. Um, and she this is the thing, she doesn't really say much to her in terms of I guess a big theme in this movie is reconciliation between someone who's passed away and someone that they essentially abandoned for reasons that they thought and actually wasn't quite the case but Janine doesn't really do anything in this moment to try and ease her pain in any way she kind of just goes here's a shitty house you left a load of debt and uh that's pretty much it yeah I just I helped him out with a few things trying to make sure he kept the roof over the head but yeah I'm just here for, for you to recognize me and then I'll be off I'm literally just here for you to recognize me and then I'll be off. She didn't even say any of the famous lines. Wake up, one! Didn't say that. Yeah, didn't answer a phone at any point and say, all right, no Ghostbusters. F- no phones. And also, didn't Janine and Egon like have a bit of a thing? I think it was implied that they might get together, but then didn't she go on a date with Lewis as well? In the uh, second one? Yeah, she did. I can't honestly like been smooching what's going him on. Smooching smooching with my brother. He was smooching with everybody. <laughs> yeah. Rick Moranis, uh, Harold Ramis, all of the guys. <laughs> yeah. are, are we made to believe that like she lives in Somerville, Oklahoma as well? Or or she just popping by because she's yeah, we don't really see her until the very end of the movie again now. Yeah, I think I, like just 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 a cameo, I guess, and it, it is and it is meant to be Janine as well because of the connection to the old one. So, yeah, 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 exactly, which works a lot 
better than you know in we won't mention the 2016 one much more but when any of the old characters turned up in that they were new characters yeah so so they were truly cameo appearances of the actors in this one whereas these in this case they're doing a lot of work to directly link this to the old ones this is a continuation rather than a reimagining slash reboot which is difficult to do i think like when you have to connect it to an old film, but also kind of explain this 25 year gap, you know, we're supposed to believe that none of these characters have seen each other in all of these years and that bust ghosts haven't been busted in all this time, but also like ghosts have in this, in this world become a, a myth again. Like no one really believes in ghosts. Yeah. Um, they were, they were ghosts in 1980s and then they just stopped. <laughs> yeah, and even like some people think of it as a conspiracy, or not a conspiracy, but like a, what, what am I thinking of? Like like a like an urban legend almost. Urban legend, like, yeah. Or a hoax or... Even though there's stuff on, like, I mean, the ghost pretty much took over the whole of Manhattan in the first movie um, and pretty much in the second movie as well, right? There was definitely a, a Titanic turned back up, didn't it? Yeah, the Titanic turned back up and it mentions a marshmallow man that exploded all over the, you know, all over on the streets. They don't seem to reference the events of the second one that See, much. That, that that annoys me because I think, again, another thing in terms of the fandom of Ghostbusters, I think everyone fondly remembers the first one and they're like, well, the second one was all right, but I play, love the second one. I love Vigo, Scourge of Carpathia. Um, I love both. And I like the thing with the river of slime too, but I think then I always say this, I think the rules of these things should be as filmmakers, if I was to set the tenements of filmmaking, if you want any of your old ones, if you want a reference to any of your old movies, you have to have all of them. So, you know, if Halloween kills wants to, and Halloween ends wants to talk about the original being related to it, I'm sorry. But he also, you've got to have Season of the Witch. You've got to have the, you've got to have that he was in a cult and and also yeah. fathered a daughter with his niece that time. <laughs> you've got, you've got to have all the other stuff as well. You can't you just have veto. all of it or nothing of it. The same with uh, Alien movies if they keep coming along. Sorry, yeah. Alien Resurrection happened, whether you like it or not. <laughs> uh, so yeah, because there's like footage on YouTube of people watching the Ghostbusters in New York. Walking down the street, doing that pointing dance. Doing a pointing in dance. Tic- like... In that ticker tape parade, slipping <laughs> over Slimer, chasing him down the road. Covered in covered in marshmallow fluff. Uh, bloody lovely. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of weird because if something happened on that grander scale, there'd be like documentaries about it, you know? You know, like <laughs> when there's any if, sort of... If a natural marshmallow man walked down there, like... I don't think I'm, I'm alone in thinking that would be one of the most significant events in history. Well, not just the Marshmallow Man, the bloody... I completely forgot about this. In the second one, the Statue of Liberty came to life. And smashed the way into the museum. <laughs> Walked all the way down. The, I mean, it's such a ridiculous plan, isn't it? In the second one, we'll get a bloody... We'll get her to walk along the, walk along the streets of New York. Yeah, it would have been... It wouldn't be an urban legend. Everyone would know. Everyone would go, where were you when you found out that ghosts existed? What's the yeah. first ghost you saw? I don't know. And surely it would be a matter of record because in the second one, those like people that got the chair came back and like wrecked that courthouse. Oh, yeah, of course. 
But also this one, like they just stumble across a ghost, like willy nilly, munch you. They just go, there's a noise in that building. Let's go in. There's a ghost in there. If that was how easy it was to spot one, you'd be spotting them all the time. And Muncher is just our modern Slimer, right? Because he's a bit Slimer-esque. He's just got more arms. Yeah, he's got more arms. I'd say he's a bit angrier. I think yeah, Slimer always... he shoots bullets at you. Yeah. Slimer is always a bit playful with it, I think. He likes sliming Peter Venkman. Um yeah, I think my big characterization of Slimer, though, comes from the animated one where he's just their mate. Uh, yeah, yeah, classic. I think in the movies, just eats a lot and slimes mm. people. Is he it's in the second Slimer. movie? What are you eating this food for? Yeah, he's driving the bus. He drives Lewis to... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> nice one. Nice one, Slimer. Yeah, he's turned a corner in that one as well. Always eating yeah. that food, though. You're a ghost, mate. You just What you're doing is you're just ruining food. You're just ruining food for everyone greedy bastards yeah. you can't eat it you're just gonna gunge it it's gonna fall through you onto the floor disgusting what a little disgusting. bastard um but anyway <laughs> um so where were we so the fam the family have moved in they're all looking around there they stop at a burger joint and um trevor um sees sees a girl he fancies on a roller skating um she's like a roller skating waitress and he goes to apply for a job while he's i mean he's got a lot of confidence i feel like if i was that age and i saw someone i fancied i would have just sat quietly in the car and uh he literally goes in applies for a job and like starts asking loads of questions yeah tries to be real oh so you know how you uh you know you know really nice place yeah like he's a little bit clumsy with it but he is actually successfully talking to that girl he likes Unlike me yeah. when I was 15, said, so yeah, like you, Ben, said nothing about that. Thank you. I will just go along <laughs> being unsatisfied with my life. Thank you very much. <laughs> he lies about his age to get a job as well. Yeah. You know, every background checks in the, these days, you know, you couldn't just get it. You couldn't just do that. It'll never happen. Yeah. Trying it. Trying uh, your national insurance number. Oh, no, I do have that. And uh, that proves that I must be 18 because uh, why else would I need it? <laughs> why else would I have it, mate? Um, so yeah, he gets a job and then Phoebe gets enrolled in a summer science class at a local school and her mentor, well, it says her mentor here, but initially comes across as a bit of a, a bit of an idiot, but they grows to be, grows to be a mentor. So he's an eccentric seismologist, Gary Gruberson. Um, and his sort of, he just puts on 80s horror movies for the class to watch. Starting with Cujo. Great choice. Yeah. Uh, we've covered that on the podcast, so, you know. Yeah, definitely. and then later scene he puts on Child's Play. Have we done Child's Play from any description? No. Oh, my God. That's it. We've got it. That's That's got to be the, that's gotta be the first episode of December. Yeah, Child's that's Play. Too, too big a movie not to do. I can't believe we've not done it. 200 episodes in, no Child's Play. Crazy. Yeah, we'll chuck Child's Play on the list then, shall we? Check it on the list. Uh, yeah, so, obviously... The TV, when the TV gets wheeled into a class, um, no matter what country or age you are at, it is always a magical moment, right? Yeah. Proper supply teacher moment, right? When you're when you get in <laughs> and there. Who's your favorite supply teacher at school, Ben? Did you have any regulars or are they all one and done's? I think pretty much one and done's, yeah. Actually, there, there, there was a Welsh supply teacher a welsh woman um she was i think she was always a supply teacher for science she was she was pretty she was nice she was um 
She was she always loved getting the TV out, sticking on some sort of science video. We had a brilliant one called Mr. Fish, who looked <laughs> a little bit like Mr. Davies, who was a regular teacher at the school. Um, just like a old interesting. We all knew that Mr. Fish wasn't Mr. Davies. And in an, an unusual twist of fate, we gave the original teacher more shit than the um, than the supply teacher. Be like, oh, oh god, because Mr. Davies was primarily a PE teacher. He used to sometimes cover some. Um, and he used to do a lot of cover for the other lessons. So, like you know, your history teachers out. Mr. Davies comes in. He goes, oh, Mr. Fish. It's like, no, I'm not Mr. Fish. I'm Mr. <laughs> Davies. Like, Mr. Fish is another man who sometimes does supply teaching here at the school. Oh. oh. Actually, like Mr. Fish more, though, is he not available? <laughs> oh, God. That must be the ultimate humiliation if you're yeah. a well, like supply teacher more than me. That's it. I quit. Yeah. I mean, Mr. Fish was excellent. So, there you go. There we go. Wonderful. But, yeah, so he, he rolls in the TV. He puts a video on. He's not putting any effort in because he wants to go and do his experiments in the background but phoebe meets um our new our new icon our entire industry's figurehead then oh yeah podcast the main man podcast he calls himself podcast because he does a podcast that'd be like one of us calling ourselves podcast you know just in our day-to-day life um we'll let him off because he's a kid and he's got good hair but if he wasn't a kid and had good hair we'd be sincerely annoyed i think i feel like at the age he is it's acceptable to to give yourself a nickname i mean yeah not many kids have got podcasts right yeah because he's, he's, he's a proper little kid how like, i haven't got kids ben so i struggle to understand how old they are how old would you say podcast is isn't he like aren't they both i think him and phoebe are both like 12 i think She's a bit taller than him, you know. Sometimes that happens. Little the boys yeah. are little short asses. Um, so yeah, so he but wants yeah. to carry. He's carrying around a microphone. He's carrying around like a recording device. He's pretty he much. Philly, Philly has better equipment than us, but he's got a little Zoom recorder and everything. I'm gonna pick holes in this though, and don't feel angry at me for this. Is he even recording a podcast? It feels like all he ever really does is just record. He like narrates what's happening. I think what what podcast is probably doing here, I imagine he is like your, you know, your real prestige um, people. Like this is, on, yeah, if he's on the equivalent of like BBC Sounds, he's like an investigative journalist, like a Danny Robbins. He oh, yeah. is, he's recording that. And then he's, he's putting a little intro in, he's cutting it together. He's putting musical stings between the little bits. Okay. I think he's just grabbing that audio, and he's uh, and he's and he's got heavily edited because this podcast too. is about like mysteries and conspiracies and various things like that, isn't it? So yeah. he's he's always all over. as soon as like the ghost busty start stuff starts happening, he's all over it. Um, so, yeah, yeah, he does a, just... he does a mystery podcast. I've just thought though as well, Ben. Like the marketing people all need to be fired if I can't search and find his podcast now. 100%. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, they should have at least an, an episode. Yeah, because it really finds its voice in the what episode? 40 like 40 episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so 
to be fair though, we're, it, we're, it's made out that Phoebe's not made any, not really got any friends, and she never has any friends. A pretty successful day for her because she makes friends with podcast, and I guess you could say makes friends with Mr. Gruber's teacher. Well. Yeah, because he's a seismologist. He's got a lot of interesting theories about some form of disturbance underground uh, in Somerville, which he they kind of they him and phoebe discussing it deduce is sounds like an explosion rather than an earthquake yeah because it can't be an earthquake because they're not on any lines uh they're not on any fault lines or anything like that so it's more resonant with what would be in it what would be an explosion it also can't be a volcano because there's none of them either so yeah. it's it's more consistent with an explosion but we don't know what that what it is that's causing it no yeah um which is yeah a mystery but then in the house, things are beginning to unfold. And we know that, um, you know, the, the mom in particular is quite happy because, you know, she hasn't got a lot of love for her dad because she kind of, he had walked out and left them a long time ago and has not really been involved in there, not really been involved with her in her life uh, as she was growing up and kind of abandoned the family. Meanwhile, the kids begin to encounter bits and pieces, right? And apologies to anyone that's usually used to us going... I think we usually have, as a rule, we can stick to the, the flow of a movie quite well. But I think as we spoke about the other week, when something's new, um, harder for you to take notes in the cinema. Not like when we're going through an older film where literally you can get, get it blow by blow, right? But Yeah, and I in, mean, a lot, ha- a lot happens. <clears throat> so, but I guess... But each of the kids kind of gets a project, <clears throat> right? So um, Trevor has discovered the Ghostbusters car in the yep. in the garage and is quietly working to try and make it work um by himself and yep. phoebe starts having a blooming game of chess with a ghost yeah exactly i mean if you i know games of chess tend to take a while anyway but this is the world's longest game of chess you know what i mean like move a piece wait till tomorrow move another piece but then it, i guess it speeds up fairly quickly yeah um, she starts to play it and we quickly like we're quickly revealed right that it must be the friendly ghost it's the ghost of a grandfather the pke meter that he left behind begins to react wherever he is and it eventually leads her down to his like secret underground base where she finds a lovely proton pack a lovely proton pack uh i bet i Sell for absolute loads on a just as a film replica. This is a film replica on eBay. Like people got to be going for that. (laughs) Amazing. Um, Um, So she finds a proton pack and a trap. Um, In odd order, the first thing I think they do is she shows the trap to to Paul Rudd, Gary Gruberson. and he he has an idea that they're going to open it, right? To see what's in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And what should be in there? Um, but it's one of those, um, we quickly we see its face when, when they manage to let it out. It's one of those narky old dog ghosts from original Ghostbusters, original Ghostbusters. Yeah, I didn't kind of recognise it as being that initially. I was, I was kind of just saw a big sort of smog of weird but i guess it does kind of look like that now you think about it i didn't it blows out all the windows initial connection yeah blows out all the bloody windows of the school buses who's gonna pay for that i think taxpayer uh, ben but he's tax- taxpayer. 
Late tax, fair mate, I'll tell you that. Um, so Gruberson says, we better leave because I'm liable because I'm an adult. See you later, let's run. Yeah. Um, podcast seems to love it. He's like... He's having Hell yeah, this is going to be a great stuff. episode of the podcast. And Phoebe, like, she screams and covers her ears, doesn't she? Yeah. But yeah, this is just... This is one of the things that I like about this movie. Like, the people in it, these characters in particular... Feels like um, Finn Wolfhard of Trevor is a bit separate for the most part. Um, but these characters in particular, when Gary, uh, Phoebe and Podcast are hanging around, they've got a nice dynamic, I think. A nice bit of chemistry. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Considering it's like, yeah, kind of weird. Adult hanging out with two. Well, you know, kind of weird. It's not but... weird. <laughs> he's just a teacher guys he's just trying to teach these kids some good stuff which he is so he's essentially like an aspiring like ghostbuster he kind of knows a lot about them um oh yeah he's, he's a big fan he's, right he's like what he's you've a big not, fan. you don't know who who your granddad is and like they did this and thing I, yeah and i think he even says to podcast um i think of every, every out of everybody i've expected you to know yeah. yeah, it's nice, and they they've done they've done this, and then he gives them a lift back home because he's had a little bit of encounter with um with their mom, right, with with Callie, and he makes that as a reason to to take the kids back. You know, they're getting on like a blooming house on fire, the yeah. sparks flying. Exactly, it's it's nice. I like it. I like the dynamic. Um, it's good, and I think they they I'm... agree to go on a little date. Um, which mm-hmm. is nice. Um, sorry, you were saying which is nice, yeah. Um, I think she says it's not a date, doesn't she? It's not, it's not a date, we're just going for dinner. It's like that's a bloody date, mate. Everybody knows it, all right. Everybody knows it. And I think from this point onwards, um, Callie's Callie as a character was given more to do because initially I felt like she was just a mum and she was just kind of there and not really doing anything. Yeah, she's going to be the mum character who is like just a passenger in it like at first the first couple of beats with seeing the ghost and finding the trap which she find yeah. i realize she finds under the floor before she finds the proton pack in a later of course, scene yeah of course um, so it's, it's, it's she's like floor. asleep at the table drunk isn't she at the first and it's like okay so you're going to be like an absentee character effectively but she comes into it a lot more yeah because her relationship with with egon is obviously difficult but it's important it's integral to a lot of the plot um, is what a lot of the plot hinges on, I guess. Yeah. So they're going to go on a date. This is when we find the the next night, Phoebe finds the, the proton pack in the secret base and her granddad helps her fix it. So the next day, um, and I think we see a ghost escape from the... I, I'm assuming this is the chomper ghost that escapes from the, from the mine? Right now, because it must have come from somewhere. It's not just there, know. isn't it? I really don't know. I don't, I don't think there's really any genuine connection um, um, to that. It just happens to be there, but it's okay, because whenever this chomper turned up, he turned up the day after Phoebe found, manages to main, you know, repair a proton pack. So we get yeah. a cool scene with um, Phoebe and Podcast having a, having a blast on the proton pack, and this is fun. And you know what, Ben? I'm not a guns guy. Um, but if these proton packs are real and you could have a go at one, I think it'd be very nice to hold it and to have a go at blasting it at things. 
I mean, I was a bit because it is essentially like a nuclear reactor on your back, though, isn't it? Yeah. So I'd be a bit worried about you know getting obliterated, but still, you know, oh, you got to die of something. <laughs> it's a good attitude to have, but uh, yeah, dying proton pack explosion. It'd be good to die, I suppose, in that way because you wouldn't leave anything behind. So you know, funeral yeah. bill would be. One of, the few, one, one of the few circumstances where all of the cells in your body can die simultaneously. Just get turned to dust and then somebody yeah. snorts you. Just get, just get dusted. It's a bit like what happens to those people in Hell Thump as the, the recent series have just started. But Dusted to um, death. Yeah. The, they have a go on the proton pack and then immediately they sort of detect that there is something going on in like a nearby steel mill that they're outside like yeah. an old abandoned mill and they're what going I kind of, sorry, go sorry. See. what i kind of like about this in this initial stage as well not just this initial stage but everyone seems to have a role to play in this essential new team that comes together and everyone takes to it quite quickly so obviously podcast is like the tech guy he's the he's got the pke PKE meter. meter, yeah and he he's seems to PK... know how to use the the traps because he gets he's... he does a bit of trap slide in yeah, he does a little bit of trap sliding. He, he controls those. They've got like a little, this is a nice addition. There's a remote control car like trap, which gets used as well. Um, Phoebe's like the, the main sort of gunslinger, essentially. Uh, Trevor's the driver. Obviously, we'll get to that as well. Um, and Lucky is just there for a good time. She's, I mean, she's just like, I guess, secondary gunslinger in this particular yeah and like she she's definitely she comes to sort of round out the the group at the end right because she's associated because she's as we learn uh, after this bit she's the sheriff's daughter sheriff's daughter yeah yeah exactly so she knows Um, that she knows the town she knows the people she has the yeah she helps she helps them get their equipment back a little later on but for now i guess this whole it's quite an extensive action piece right because we see Trevor gets the, the car working for the first time. Meanwhile, Phoebe and oh, podcast she, encounter the ghost. She he gets the car working with the help of Egon, with the help of spooky Egon, because he yeah, does twists some, a wire. Twists a little wire. So like, hang on a minute. Come on. Sort this out. Uh yeah, which is nice. He drives it around um a cornfield. Yeah, he's just driving it around the fields. Driving it around um, the fields. Yeah, so he's, um, he's going along. Meanwhile, the other two are encountering a ghost. Um, and they she does catch it in the beam, but it's really hard to slide the trap and it escapes, right? And it flies off. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's a little cheeky boy, isn't he, old muncher? He's like sort of like hiding, hiding around corners and stuff. And uh, so he likes eating metal and then firing it at people. I mean, if there was like a bullet firing ghost, you know, don't want to live on this planet people. anymore. Yeah, terrifying. Uh, yeah. So they cha- Do they? Oh yeah. Do they randomly? So they they, they they encounter they encounter Trevor. They get in the car, and then we have this chase scene, which I think is quite heavily in the trailers, right? Where they're basically absolutely yeah. trashing the town with a nuclear reactor. And so I think. Sorry, one moment. We, we before this, Trevor had gone to the old mine shaft with the friends seen something down there that come flying out um i feel like that is muncher getting out because otherwise where does he come from yeah 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 sure 
I, I, I mean, that, that would make sense, I think. I think that makes sense. Um, so, um, yeah, what? So yeah, so they, they chase him through the town. He starts heading back towards the mountain, but they're able to, and this is the establishing, like everyone's ghost busting now. Busting makes them feel excellent. And, um, you know, they're they good at him. it. Yeah. <laughs> they t- take to it like a fish to water. Considering it seems quite terrible. I mean, I'd be a bit terrified, I think, in any situation involving that gear and those ghosts. Now you say go. Now you say Muncher was heading back towards the mountain. It does make more sense that it would be him, yeah. So they, they catch him, though, only to then get arrested because driving a car illegally, blasting up half the town with a nuclear reactor. Um, yeah. They, they, get take, they get taken in by the law. Incredibly dangerous, right? Um, and it times just perfectly well when Callie is talking to Gary on their date going, oh, I just wish Phoebe had just get in trouble sometimes instead of being so good all the time. Doesn't Muncher, like, fly through... The, the restaurant that flies in, through flies through the date, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, they get they get arrested. They learn that Lucky is the sheriff's daughter. Um, and yeah, so they confiscate everything. They confiscate Ecto One and all the Ghostbusting gear. Um, and then we do get a line, a famous line delivered, uh, but probably by not not who you would expect, just a sheriff. So Phoebe says, "Does she get a phone call?" And he says. Sure. Who are you going to call? And, and then uh, loads of kids go, he, man, he, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bloody Iron Man or something. He'll sort this yeah. out. But uh, uh, yeah, they, uh, they he, she phones because when she was watching the, um, the Ghostbusters adverts, they have a 555 number. So she calls that and it's uh, good old Ray. I mean, would it still work? Who knows? But uh, it reaches Ray. He owns like a shop, like an occult shop. I think that's what he says, doesn't he? Yeah. This is a lot of heavy, heavy exposition that kind of, well, pretty much does fill in that blank. Yeah, hello, Ray's exposition. Ray's speaking. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much it. It, get, it, it. I could understand like a couple of little bits of it, but it does get to a point where I'm a bit like, this is a lot of information to kind of, chuck into this one yeah yeah it, it, and it, felt, goes, it, and it actually goes into like a bit like yeah it was good at first we were getting this many calls and then the, the calls died off before you know it and it literally goes through about 10 years of history yeah well even even phoebe must have been like get on with it right for god's sake maybe the rest of people yeah come yeah. on um but it, it doesn't go anywhere she she reveals to him that um Egon has passed away and it kind of takes the fire out of him because at first he's quite angry when he hears Egon's name. Yeah. Um, it settles him, it settles him down, and she points out that she needs that she needs help, but the sheriff ends the call because um Yeah. You know, he says, You've been on there now, for too long, got bills to now, pay, that's the taxpayer. I, this was enough of a moment where I knew exactly what that meant. Almost in a way, do you remember in Jurassic Park 3 when Sam Neil calls uh, sorry, when Alan Grant calls Ellie Sattler and he's he's on the satellite phone, even though he's like underwater, and somehow she manages to realize exactly what's happening and she turn goes, and sounds like a spinosaurus. She must he must be on this island. I'll send the army to to sort it out. It kind of felt like that. It was like okay. I hope that kid though... got punished because he <laughs> he could have killed Dr. Alan Grant. 
just to be so, yeah. fucking distracted to watch Barney. What are you even doing touching the phone, kid? No one's calling you. It's Hello, three. it's a dinosaur man. <laughs> Charlie, wow. piece of work. Absolute piece of work, Charlie. Do, do, you, do you remember how the, the, the tone, the, the noise of the satellite phone, do you remember how it goes? <laughs> exactly. That is, exact, that is exactly it. I mean, I was kind of like, I was kind of there, but not quite, but that was perfect. Yeah. yeah. Well done. Well done. We'll give you that. We'll give you yeah. that. But um, yeah, Charlie's betrayal in another film aside. Yeah, you, you're exactly right, Ben. This is the, it's obviously the, incit- the, the inciting moment. I think if you didn't already have known from the trailer that the guys were going to turn up at some point, we know that this has got that into motion to make so it does... a bit less of a deus ex machina at the end perhaps because <laughs> at least we've signposted it now they're um, Chekhov's Ghostbusters <laughs> Chekhov's Ghostbusters so that he says that Egon stole the car stole all the gear moved to Somerville and that was kind of the end of the Ghostbusters because yeah the business business wasn't great anyway but now they've got no gear or the car or anything like that so there we go yeah and does he also at this point in his in his tirade of exposition does he um Tell them where everyone is now. So I, I own this bookshop. Peter yeah. Beckman is a is is a uh, is a professor now, and Winston became a a rich man of finance. Yeah, yeah. To yeah, become the true, true villain of the piece, working in the financial he's industry. The true bloody villain of the piece. Imagine if you're in finance and someone said, "Do you want to come and help the help some kids in a, a small town with some ghosts?" I'm over it, to be honest. <laughs> To be, to be fair, though, he's probably he's probably most able to because you know he's probably got lots of good holiday and benefits. Probably afford to take a couple of days off, can he? There we go. He's like, I just want to get that annual leave approved, and I'll be there. Can't can't be like Ray, self-employed. When's it, you know, if he ain't working that shop, then he ain't earning anything. Shut the shop. Got it. Can't. Yeah. So um, yeah. So so the the new the new team, Trevor, Phoebe, Lucky, and podcast go to the temple which is inside this mine. So essentially, like in terms of the backstory for the Somerville, there was like a Gozerian cultist called Ivo Shandor who um, like built this temple. Designed everything, mine, right? designed the whole town. Designed the whole bloody town. It's like a mining operation as well. So might, might, might be doing a bit of mining, but I think he's also doing a bit of mining for supernatural deities yeah. as well. Um, you've got to mix it up, you know. Sometimes. It's built a lovely temple, and when the guys go in there, they can see it's all set up for everyone's mate Goza. Yeah, so there's a big sort of um, statue of Goza. Ivo Shandor is there, I guess, like what? Perfectly preserved, or like in. He's in like animation? a he's in like a Lenin glass coffin, isn't he? So what are we supposed? To, is he dead? But. He's, he's, he's Snow White in it, so basically, like you know, if a handsome prince ever comes and give him a kiss, then he can wake up again. Why? Why is yeah. that not explained? Does that does that technology exist in this world? <laughs> it would it would appear if you're in a glass coffin and you just live forever, but uh, well, you're okay. kind of there forever. But then every so often, but like acid reflux, the the ghost <laughs> dimension kind of flares up down in the pits <laughs> of the pits of oblivion, and. Yeah. It, they learn that Egon has set up like basically 
a bit like classic horror movie Congo. Um, he set up like a like a motion detector gun turret thing with the yeah. other with the other proton packs. And nice. when the ghosts come welling up, the PKE meters work as a thing, and they just blast them back down again. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, to, to keep them to keep the bay. And Ivo Shandor kind of comes to life a little bit when the ghosts are coming up. Yeah. Um, so they're kind of holding them off. We understand that's what the explosion's been that's been de been detected by Gary Gruberson as well. It's these. It's this event essentially all of the proton packs firing trying to keep the the ghost it's like they look like alphabet spaghetti coming out yeah because you know get you know what alphabet spaghetti would would do if they were if it was all ghosts what letter would they mostly use oh just yeah, be in a ton of o's <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, they're, they're, they're coming up there, but unfortunately after the date and the arrest the previous night, um, Paul Rudd had to nip to Walmart to get some ice cream, didn't he? And this is where oh, he right. encounters some... You know, I had to live though, like, I, I enjoyed this, I because I, I, I enjoy these late trips to like supermarkets when you're going in there only for a treat. You've got a spring in your step, you're walking mm. around, you're looking, he gets ice cream, doesn't he get like some sort of frosting as well? <laughs> Yeah, blue, blue, uh, blue velvet. The blue opposite velvet. of last week's film, Crimson Peak. He wants to make sure he doesn't <laughs> crimson peak it. He gets some blue velvet cake topping, and now, some lovely Baskin Robbins, thirty-one varieties. Very nice. Can't get that in this country, can we? Yeah, you can get Baskin Robbins here. Not everywhere. Not as frequently as Ben and Jerry's, and I don't think they do it in supermarkets. But you'll find a Baskin Robbins. But you know what they don't have? I tell you what, Ben. Bearing in mind that Korean culture is. Um, gaining a lot of traction over here these days. The best thing to come out of South Korea ever, without exception, shooting star flavoured ice cream. Oh, My goodness. Mother of God. It is the flavour of, like, I imagine that the food of the gods, Ambrosia, tastes like shooting star ice cream. It has popping candy in it, it has a swirl of raspberry, of raspberry sauce. But its core flavour is that most wonderful of flavours in the world, blue. Blue. Bubblegum. Ah, uh, blue. No, no. Not <laughs> bubblegum. Blue. Blue flavour. Oh, wow. I was going to say blue. I was going to say raspberry. Popping candy. That's like the shooting star element to it. A raspberry swirl. Uh, wait, Baskin Robbins do it as well. Only ever, only it's a Baskin Robbins flavor, but I've never found it in a Baskin Robbins in this country. I've only encountered it ah. in Korea. And when like we this. went back there a couple of years ago, it's the first thing I had. Lovely, just made made a beeline for it. Uh, but uh, Baskin Robbins flying soda. It looks like a blue flavored soda with a scoop of that ice cream on top of it. Oh, like a like sounds... a what's it called? Coke float. But, I love a Coke float, but imagine that with shooting star ice cream. Thinking of these terrible excesses, we used to go and get you. You could buy like buy like the pint or the like the big box with four flavors in it at Baskin Robbins when we lived in Shonan, and I used to get oh, wow. uh, shooting star rainbow sherbet, all the all the wonderful flavors, and they'd give you dry ice to take it home with, so it would go things. Oh, wow. And you know they have those they have those guidances that say don't put dry ice in a sealed container because it'll explode. 
we did. We sealed it in a bottle and left it on the roof of our apartment building. It went off so loud that it set off a load of car alarms. <laughs> but um, wow. yeah, it, it, it exploded pretty badly. Um, oh, Baskin everyone Robbins. Died. No one died. Uh, no, everyone was fine. Um, yeah, for any American listeners we have, where Baskin Robbins is more common, if you can get shooting star ice cream over there, please do let me know. Yeah, um, because be be I've got a real hankering for it, having brought it up. But anyway, Paul Rudd, <laughs> Gary has had the same hankering, so he's gone, and they sell at the supermarket there. Um, but his shopping expedition is rudely interrupted when who should turn up? But Marshmallowman. <laughs> Marshmallowman. Why? Why are they there? I guess because I, mean... I guess because Gozer's on the up and up with. With all of I this mean, that's going on, I mean, it doesn't really make sense, does it? Um, I mean, I can kind of understand. All right, so Gozer, when when Gozer was in New York in the nineteen eighty four, and Ray, it was Ray who thought about the marshmallow. Yeah, Ray chose it? the form of the marshmallow man. So, I guess commitment <laughs> to a bit. I guess. Yeah. So, and Gozer's remembered somehow that form, but can only create it in small form for some reason in this particular. Um, Walmart maybe because I, I, maybe because the four. power maybe because their power is not at, the, at its apex. All they can do is just use existing marshmallow. Or maybe we don't know this is true. Maybe in 1984, New York, there happened to be a very large marshmallow. Maybe Heston was in town and he was building a big one, and that's big, why it was big. Yeah, possibly, possibly. We'll never ever know. It this out of all of the bits. Oh shit. This out of all of the bits in this movie, like the bits that felt like they were the greatest hits moments, this felt like the most unnecessary for me. I was like, all right, okay. I mean, yeah, we can understand. Like these little dudes, like for the for the kids in the audience, they'll enjoy it. For the Ghostbusters fans, they'll enjoy it. It's a tiny version. It'll sell toys. And other I reckon mar- marketing synergies, doing this with your hands as well, Ben. Um, I reckon you could make edible versions of them in all good supermarkets now. Yeah, that does sound pretty good. I'd eat one if I saw a little marshmallow man like that. I'd eat him right up. They seem to be happy to be eaten as well because they're like making s'mores out of themselves. Love being brutally killed, um, melted away, throwing themselves into a barbecue, sort of marching across the grill and sort of oozing through, burning themselves up. They can't get enough. So obviously they're kind of they're not really attacking Paul Rudd, are they? But they're kind of like just all over him. They're just kind of doing like gremlin level menacing, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, slight. Uh, yeah, just what's the word? Slight annoyance. Yeah, they'll 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 trip you, or they'll crash a rumber into your into your shin, or ow. Yeah, because one yeah. of them when he's first poking at him, he like bites his finger. Would something made of marshmallow hurt if it bit you? Yeah, I don't think so. Unless, yeah, what's going on in there? What's going on in that mouth? They don't look like they got teeth of any sort. Oh man, um, you could throw one against the wall so hard it'd be, it'd be tossing a flunk. <laughs> <laughs> so Gary like rounds a corner and sees someone eating a big bag of kibble. Not someone, something, and it's one of the dog ghosties. Now I love that these that these dog ghosties have got like names. And I always yeah, one of them name. is Zool. The one that possesses someone else is Zool, but I don't know what the other one's called. <laughs> the other one's called Vince Clawfo, the key master. And <laughs> Zool said Vince Clawfo. 
think yeah. you told me that a couple of weeks ago, actually. I, I always enjoyed that in the first movie. Like, There's a couple of things I enjoy a lot about the first movie, but for some reason that always tickled me. The fact that one of them is called Vince Clorfo, because Vince Clorfo is the one who possesses Rick Moranis. When, do, they that, do they mention that in the name that its name is Vince Clorfo? Is that just a bit of wonderful trivia that you know? They do mention in the first movie, yeah, because I think Rick Moranis says... He says, "I'm Vince Rolfo, the keymaster, something like that. I'm looking for, <laughs> I'm looking for Zul, the gatekeeper. So yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, so so the dog chases Paul Gary. Red, fr- Gary, sorry, through the through Walmart. Walmart's getting trashed. Um, he escapes, but as soon as he gets into his car, which has got no windscreen, by the way, um, it got blasted out earlier because it got blasted out." Um, Vince Clorfo lands lands on the on the, car, on the car. Always use his full name. Vince Clorfo lands on the car and he goes, "I'm Vince Clorfo," and then it cuts away. So I think we kind of know what's happening. What's here. what's happening here? Yeah. yeah. And pretty much at the same time, at the same time, or some. Or yeah, it's like in the same in the same evening. So basically, the kids are all off investigating the the temple, and then these things happen at the same time. Roughly yeah. the same time. Gary's being cut by Vince Clorfo. Um, and Callie, she finally encounters her dad's ghost and he leads her down into the basement where she sees that her dad did care about her all along because he's been keeping loads of pictures of her. He was doing this important work, as we found, to protect us all, the whole world, from Goza's return when no one believed him. Um, and she's touched by this moment. But it's... Uh, cut abruptly short when Zul, uh, not the ninja from the mm, dimension, Atari and Amiga hero of the 16-bit <laughs> era. Oh, wow. Um, but uh, Zul with U's, not O's, uh, comes and gets her in the basement. Did Egon's ghost not know that Zul was knocking about in there? Uh, I guess he was distracted trying to make amends in some way. Yeah, um, but yeah, you couldn't do anything about it. So she gets zooled. Uh, the kids get back and have to explain everything uh, the next morning. And, you know, this is, you know, the Leo pointing at the screen, but where he goes, oh, hey, mom. How's it going? Now oh, there is no mom, only me, Zool. Yeah. I don't know. I, I This felt a bit heavy-handed to me, this, this sort of stuff, where it was like, okay, like, yeah all the way down to, I know we don't get it immediately, but all the way down to the fact that she is ends up in the same dress that Sigourney Weaver wore yeah. in Ghostbusters, like the, the sort of flowing gold number. Yeah, I don't know. just felt a bit, I feel like genuinely when Sigourney Weaver was possessed by Zool, it was scary. Um, yeah. All, everything from like the heavy breathing, like the almost like panting to yeah. the voice. The fact that the voice didn't seem to quite be coming out of her, her teeth were like clenched and she was like, there is no data only whereas this felt a bit more like i don't know designed yeah. to seem a bit more terrifying but didn't quite hit the mark for me yeah i mean and it could come down it could come down to it that sigourney weaver is one of the finest finest actors and that was like in their prime it could just be that delivery of the time or maybe yeah. we were less yeah I mean, less Karen attuned Coon- to things like adr and stuff as at the time yeah possibly i mean carrie coon seemed, is great in this film um but yeah i wasn't but then again they do kind of um 
come across well as Zool and Vince Clor- Vince Clorfo, because obviously Vince Clorfo is a bit a bit ditzy, a bit silly, a little bloody old Rip Moranis a bit, and Zool's a bit like sexy. I yeah, guess that's like what what's going on. Yeah, and they, they quickly establish as Kelly. Uh, there is no Kelly, of course, only only Zool. After Zool chips off out the window and basically runs off, the other guys know that. Um, from the prophecy and everything else that they've learned that what they have to do is get themselves to bone town and if they succeed in doing that then 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 goza is going to be going to be back with a vengeance so they need to try and catch them before that happens they go is going formulate a plan so we do also see um possessed gary gruberson destroying the uh, Egon's sort of set up to keep all the ghosties at bay with all his proton packs. He's just like ripping them down. Well, you, I think he uses one of them to destroy all the rest. Yeah. Blooming out. Yeah, he does. And is that is that perhaps how the how Zul gets out to possess Kali when he disables that? Yeah. Yeah. The mem- the the se- the sequencing is a bit lost because like I say can't make notes in a cinema without being that. Bloody person with their phones out. Ridley Scott would be furious. He saw you looking at your phone. <laughs> I mean, he'd just kill you. He'd just straight up murder you. I mean, how would he feel if he saw you looking at your phone in a Marvel film, which he allegedly doesn't like? Would he be glad? Would one cancel out the other? I think, yeah, one might cancel out the other. Like, oh, yeah, man. these are boring. They're boring, aren't they? Yeah. Man. <laughs> Bored, are you? Yeah. Why don't you watch one of my films on your phone? No, don't watch it on your phone. No, don't. It was never meant to be ordered like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he, um, so it, it's destroyed anyway. They're both possessed and they execute their plan to get their stuff back. This is a cool scene. I liked this one where they, yeah, it kind of yeah. made it, it, it was a good reason why Muncher was in it and why he ate metal. It all was useful. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so- like, so you go. So they let Muncher out of the trap um, in order for him to eat the metal gate to get all the stuff out, didn't they? Yeah, they did. So he can't. They can't get through the genius. lock. The lock is unpickable. They use a ghost to eat it, and then they can put their plan into action. And their plan yeah. is for. Um, oh, I like Ivo Shandor when he first comes out because the the temple opens up. Those two have. Mm. Um, you know, those two have combined their abilities and they turn back into dogs, having sexed it up. They then turn into dogs again. The temple all comes out. Ivor Shandor comes up. The effect of them turning into dogs looked good because it looked pretty much the same as the effect. Well, not there was no rotoscoping, I don't think, but it was a very similar effect to when in the original, where they kind of like shake like that, yeah. arms going everywhere, and then they just bend down to into dogs Denver and there was some pra- there was pra- some practical effects with the dogs up close right yeah there must have been there must have been some practical element to it because they seem to have too much weight to them to be purely cg affairs and i like that that looked good yeah um even so even sorry i, I, I was going to mention my problem with this i think i'll leave that to the end um all right are you sure if you want to say your yeah. problem but you can you can air it now okay i'll say it now I just kind of think, like, I know Gozer, the Gozerian, and all of that stuff as a big threat is very key to the mythology of Ghostbusters, and it's like the big 
big threat, isn't it? I just kind of feel like it would have worked just as well with something new. Something new is like Egon's heard about something even more terrifying than goes the Gozerian coming back. Something that he needs to go somewhere and try and stop it coming out of a, you know, it could have been anything else. They could have added to the mythology, added something new, rather than essentially what I feel like it started to do at this point in the film was just feel like it was hitting the same beats as the original Ghostbusters. Like, we all knew what was going to happen. What? Oh, they're possessed. Okay. Oh, now this is going to happen. Now Gozer's going to come out. Essentially the same as the original. And really, when you think about it, not jumping ahead too far, but they did beat Gozer with minimal I mean it wasn't much more effort than essentially the first movie I just felt like if there was a new threat some new mythology a new big bad they could have had and a new method beat, right they could have had them be utterly utterly defeated and then the arrival of those ghostbusters the original ghostbusters could have felt so much better and you know what I love the recreated lines like one of my favorite lines in the whole of the first movie is aim for the flat top the fact that we got like got like a slight a slight hey, flat variation yeah. a slight variation that line was great this is the thing i like the greatest hit stuff i like it but i think on reflection i i almost feel a little bit like shortchanged right. if that makes sense no, just, no, just no a, i see i see what you mean like just you, you wanted something you wanted something that you haven't seen before maybe, maybe because i like i enjoy the cartoons as well right so the real ghostbusters cartoons amazing and there's so much cool stuff in that that cartoon. pumpkin king the the, the the boss of all the ghosts he turns pumpkin up he? king just loads of mad shit there's loads of mad shit in it and you know when they did um a a sort of um all the ghosts turning up in somerville sort of thing similar to the yeah. first movie where so the, the miner is there in the you know, in the in the cafe and things like that, right? I felt sh- I felt kind of shortchanged by that. I was a bit like I wanted to see. We saw like two or three different ghosts, yeah. But that moment, like when bloody Titanic turns up in it, and that, and that lady stuff. and that lady's fur coat has come alive, and yeah, just stuff like that. Stuff that's like, what? Oh my god, can't believe this! Kind of just felt like okay. There's just some variations of Muncher knocking about. Oh, and the minor dude. That's kind of it. Yeah. It just felt like, yeah, as I said, in the moment while I was watching it, I was loving it. I was enjoying it. But as I said, on reflection, it felt a bit like as it got to this point in the film, it started to go, right, let's just throw everything into this big melting yeah. pot. And... Throw it in there at the wall and you and you get all of your memories. Do you, do you think you're looking at it more harshly now because you, you feel like you've been tricked? So at the cinema, <laughs> you were like, yeah! Oh, my God! <laughs> Yeah, you got the um, boy I, on the back of that dragon at the end of Never Ending Story. That's how happy you were. And then you've come out and kind of bloody tricked. Tricked by nostalgia and I feel sick. I'm bloody tricked again. I mean, I, films do that to me all the time. Trick, I get tricked by nostalgia. I get tr- hyped for films and let down. Just, yeah. I've been burnt too many times. But, you know. it's, an, it's an emotional roller coaster. It is an um, emotional roller coaster, definitely, yeah. But plot-wise, so... Gozer is back out. Um, Ivo Shandor's there saying, oh, I built this uh, built this temple for you. She just rips him in half like a phone book. Um, <laughs> yeah. She just rips him in half like a phone book. And I mean, again, like, sorry, I don't want to be too... 
there is something so creepy about Gozu, right? In the in the original movie, so creepy, like the voice, the look. Um, and I mean, this you could quite clearly tell it was Olivia Wilde. And Olivia Wilde with like Grace Jones's haircut from the eighties. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I still still cool, you know. I thought of everything, but I didn't. There was something about the way she was portrayed in the first movie where I just felt like she's so otherworldly and strange. Like that is creepy or which capable of anything. Whereas this one, there was almost like a bit, it was almost played for laughs in a way when Phoebe was trying to distract her by just telling her jokes and she was like tilting her head. Do you remember her joke? Oh God, there's a few, wasn't there? I remember the one about not trusting atoms because they make up everything. Quite liked her jokes. They're good. You'll like that one. Um, some good, some good science, some good science. Yeah, so she pisses her off with some jokes for a second, but that's just enough time while she's distracted, basically, for podcasts to pilot the remote control trap underneath uh, Zool mm-hmm. and slurp him right off, slurps him off into the trap, and yeah. they get their mom back. Um, Trevor's got the car ready, so they've literally parked their car next to a god silently yeah. and then they and they quickly <laughs> do, a three point, do a three point to, yeah to prius the silent killer um and they um and then they they blitz it off and they're they're on the way back yeah. they know that egon's farm was actually a massive trap in itself they've got the capacitors in there and the the whole idea was that they're going to trap gozer that's the thing that will eliminate the threat hmm. so they rush back um they, they rush back. Uh, Vins is on is on is in pursuit, and yeah. they're shooting him with the they're shooting him with the beams again. Back again, just a nice pacey action sequence. And this is probably something that you couldn't create to this level, even in the originals now, because obviously yeah. technology yeah. allows us to do very fast action sequences where you can still see what's going on and and so on. So it's it's a good impactful scene and then we get back to the house and this is where we have our final showdown right so um they're 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 holding them off the whole idea is that they're going to set off the traps and we we sort of replicate what egon did at the beginning um we come along uh, but unfortunately there's not enough power to set the set the traps off and everyone is a little bit nagged. So Lucky, um, the dog, uh, Zul doesn't manage to possess the mom again. It gets Lucky instead. So now she is a dog beast. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Goza turns up again and goes, oh, look, I've had enough of you, mate. Um, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do you guys in good and proper this time once and for all. Um, yeah. And the guys are kind of stuck. They they don't they they she so Phoebe zaps Goza in the first instance, but basically it all comes apart because Marshmallowman uh, are getting um, getting podcasts, so he can't help. Um, oh, yeah. oh, sorry, so the podcast and and Trevor are going to work together, but they're both getting like the their proton pack isn't working, and the Marshmallowman are basically taking those guys out of the equation. Uh, yeah. Lucky gets got by by Zool and turned into a dog. And it's all looking a bit lost when who should turn up but Chekhov's Ghostbusters. 
Chekhov's bloody Ghostbusters. And I did like that the first, so the first line was about a flat top, right? It was a hey flat top. And then we also get the call back to the original Ghostbusters. Where Why is her hair hair like that? It's just a style (laughs) in ancient Samaria. That's what I was thinking because it's very 80s, that style. I just thought it was a bit... Uh, yeah. it's, still, it's, it's come back around in the ghost in the ghost dimension yeah um i also love the the callback to old ray jokes where you know in the first one if someone asks you if you're a god you say yes oh yeah lovely and it's like are you a god and he goes yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i actually i actually am you're correct i'm the best one in fact um and the guy, the guys come and they do their, they do their fighting. They cross the streams again, but Goza starts uncrossing them because learned a few more stre- tricks. Considering crossing the streams was like supposed to be such a big deal, they're crossing the streams willy nilly. Yeah, not even they don't even talk about it. They just immediately cross the streams. Yeah, that's, the, that that's the first play, crossing. Get those streams um, crossed. So they 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 do that, but then they she's. Tossing them around, it's not looking, it's not looking good for them. And then we're kind of left where um, everyone's defeated. She's about to finish them all off, but then she gets zapped in the back, and it's Phoebe, kind of in like a last stand mode. Um, yeah. And I think she is holding a ground, ground, ground better than anyone else has managed to because. Because she believes in herself, I guess. That's the thing. She shit up. Goza goes to fire a beam back. And then... Again. Don't, don't pretend. Like, it'd be foolish for me to pretend. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a boy that grew up in the year I grew up in, Ben, without having seen some Dragon Ball Z. That's, yeah. what, that's what they do here. This is almost the exact the exact point point where they're having like an energy beam fight off where Phoebe's <laughs> yeah. firing the beam. Um, and then in this in this analogy, uh, Goza is his cell and she's firing like the, the, the beam back. And then much like in the aforementioned anime that was also written in the 80s, I guess, originally. Um, the ghost of Egon is is back and he's kind of holding Phoebe's hand steady. And giving it the energy, yeah. um, and then everyone comes back together. What did you feel about the return of Harold Ramis in CG now, form? This is weird, right? Because I remember when this film was announced. Actually, I think after the first trailer, I remember seeing something on YouTube. Someone on YouTube talking about the trailer. Just some movie YouTuber. Um, I think it might be like half in the bag. You ever watched that? No, no, no. I think uh, I don't. I'm not, I don't watch it very much, but I've seen it occasionally. They just talk about various movies. But I remember them talking about it and saying, like, if there's a moment, <laughs> they pretty much called this like word for word uh, or moment for moment. They said, like, if there's a moment where Egon's ghost turns up and kind of like reconciles with his daughter um, in some way. I mean, I'm sure they wouldn't have included it if it wasn't like given the thumbs up by Harold Ramis's family. Um, and, and they wouldn't have done it unless they knew that he would approve, would have approved of it. Um, I'm kind of glad he didn't speak. because I think that maybe would have taken yeah. a step too far. However, he did look a bit like a force ghost. Um, he, did. <laughs> he looked like a, a Jedi who'd been 
Jedi, um, who died on the job. Uh, Jed died. <laughs> Jed died. Jed died. Um, I think it would have worked just as well if we just saw a hand. Yeah. I think it would have had just as much impact. Now, I also understand that this reconciliation moment of Callie hugging Egon and having that moment, I also feel like that kind of had already happened in a way. She'd already found out that he had been watching her, not watching her, but like monitoring her life and, and missing her and loving her. Again, we kind of understood that. So it could have had yeah. that. And I think that perhaps it was done tastefully enough. I just feel like I was very aware of every second he was on screen. And to me, it felt like too much. Yeah, I, I feel like... I, I think a combination of the way it was done, I think not using his voice was a was a very nice touch. And I also feel like the you kind of are okay doing this because of the people that have done it. So obviously it was close with the other people that were in the film. Obviously, he was a huge part of writing the original Ghostbusters, and it's the son of the original director that is directing this time yeah. as well. Um, so I, I think with that, like I, with that comes the territory and I'm making bold assumptions here that he probably knew and was close to those people as well. So it's probably people who are in a better position to say, I think that he would be okay with this or if he have spoken to his family and said that they would be okay with this. Yeah. I also understand that with Ghostbusters in particular, one of the major problems with um, having a follow-up to it in a lot of cases would be, I think the deal for Ghostbusters 2 gave all, or at least some of those ma major guys, at very least Bill Murray and Harold Ramis in particular, veto rights over almost anything else that would ever follow. Sure. Um, so I think, yeah. so obviously it's, it, it, it's a series that he was obviously incredibly passionate about and was incredibly invested in telling the right story so I feel like they would have done this as well as it being a very carefully designed thing for it to speak directly to the fans of those of those films that have an emotional attachment to it yeah. I can see why when I'm seeing people reviewing this saying oh you know I had a little had a little well up to this it was very nice because it's been very carefully designed to give you exactly those feelings, right? I think on paper, I might have been a bit like, ooh, not so sure about that. Um, but in the cinema, I was a bit more into it. That's not to say I was totally into it. I was a bit dubious, a bit unsure whether I should be fully in fully like enjoying yeah! the moment or if we, <laughs> yeah, I, that's the thing i definitely wasn't like that um because it's weird because he gets i understand why he's there because he gets to not only reconcile with his daughter and sort of meet meet, meet, his grandkids. meet, meet his grandkids for the first time but also reconcile with each of the ghostbusters as well because they all three of them have, have a nice line i think one of them says i should have called miss your buddy sorry i didn't believe you you know, it's not overdone from their from their side of things, but you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, fine, fine. I'm fine with it. I think. Yeah, I, I liked it, but yeah, they they all they all meet up. Basically, they are all together. Um, 
the other guys defeat so Trevor and Podcast defeat the Marshmallow Men because uh, Podcast starts tasing them uh, to death and they all start exploding. Um, nice. And then they're able to, they all play a part in it essentially. So they've, they've all worked together. Um, Trevor's contribution is that he uses his proton pack not to add to blasting Gozer, but he blasts the transformer towers that give the all the traps the energy to light up and they're able to catch them all. Yeah. It's a yeah. catch them all. It's a catch them all moment. Gotta catch uh, them all, them ghosts. And they, they catch them all and they have they've done it apocalypse averted. Wow. Very, very nice. Well done, everyone. Everyone. Yeah. And then great, we, we finish effort. we finish pretty swiftly, right? Like we literally we get to do the goodbyes that you already covered, where they all, you know, with the threat over, they all have like a little one-to-one with Egon. It begins with cat ends with Callie giving him a hug. And then we go to credits pretty well. It literally goes up and you know, we have the the dedication see, to see Harold a moment Brenner's. where it's like a um a skyline of New York. And it looks like the Ecto one's on its way back there. So I'm assuming just all the original, all of the new team of kids, um, and I guess Callie and Gary as well. Well, we get Obviously there are Callie. two post-credit scenes. So we get there for Harold, um, and the little send-off to him in a quiet moment. And then we get to see just over the credits the, as you say, the Ecto one coming up. But then we get two two post-credit scenes. Did I you stay see. for these, Ben? Or did you chip I off? I only saw one. I saw one, I thought that was it. Okay, so in the first one, then we see that Peter Venkman, also married to um, Sigourney Weaver's character. Uh, we didn't see Oscar, the baby. I'm guessing he shipped him off um, somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah, they're, they're, doing the, they're doing the flashcards and she's electrocuting him for being a dog when he was younger. Yeah, classic. And then um, in the final scene now do i remember even that oh, shows the impact is of it, the, I think yeah. it's winston right yeah that's right so janine is talking to winston and um well so he's he's seen him open up the the garage and the old firehouse he must have brought it back but then you see janine talking to winston saying oh you know are you still supporting because oh yeah i'm lucky because i've worked very hard all i wanted when i joined the ghostbusters was was a regular job um, the guys gave me a good chance and now I'm in a position where I can do things. So uh, I'm, despite everything else that I've always been over the years, always going to be a bloody Ghostbuster. So I'm guessing he's opening up Ghostbusters in New York again. Yeah. Wow. Wonderful. Because you can't set the kids to work because child labour rules and all that. So uh, yeah. They're not old enough to become official, officially on the payroll yet. Oh, I guess yeah. Finn Wolfhard's so Trevor probably is close to being, but yeah, a couple of years. But Ga- Gary and uh, Gary and Callie can can do it by then, and they're kind of in in the closing scenes before the before Harold goes up to to heaven and waves goodbye to his family. Yeah. Um, he goes, "Oh yeah, we uh, absolutely fucked, didn't we, when we were dogs that time?" She's like, "Yeah, it's all right." <laughs> It's all right. I don't remember any of it, do you? Well, I remember every moment of it, I'm afraid. But, yeah. yeah. So, but he jogged my memory. That's what they say. So we assume they're a couple now. Um, yeah. I'll just try and find so there you go. where I can watch that post-credit sequence. There we go. That's that. 
It was a, it was a good, and also I, I guess if you don't manage to catch it anywhere online, although I'm sure it'll be all over YouTube already. I feel like everything that's come out this year will be on streaming very quickly. Yeah. And if Shang-Chi's already on Disney Plus, right? I feel like almost everything will be yeah. very quickly on home release as soon as it's off the cinema almost because you might as well ride your marketing wave while you still can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There we go. That is... That's that. That's Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah, it is. Um, in Luke's absence, Ben, I've uh, prepared some name game for you. Oh. Oh, very nice. Very exciting. So obviously in, in Ghostbusters that we've just witnessed, uh, a new mantle is taken up of the Ghostbusters and we see a new generation coming through. But in these films that sound a little similar to Ghostbusters but have uh, some key differences, some different things are happening. So, um, in this first movie, Ben, that I saw, um, a family inherits their their late grandfather's um, house, and he's been building a spaceship, but it is powered not by rocket engines, um, but by engines made of cooked bread, um, and they propel the teens forward into a more more silly uh, lifestyle than they had previously. Ghostbusters. Well, it's not Busters, though, because it's what's powering their, their, new, their new vehicles. Toast Thrusters. Toast Thrusters. Uh, and what was the second part? In their life's just, just, it's, it's just a sillier way of life that they previously had. Toast Thrusters Laughter Life. It's not laughter. You might not laugh if you find it ludicrous. <laughs> not, not sensible life at all, Ben. Not sensible in the slightest. Oh, God. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. What is it? It's Toast Thrusters Dafter Life. Oh, dear me. Um, <laughs> wow. In this next film, um, the a young family inherit the the property of a of a deceased relatives of a deceased relative, um, and they open the kitchen cupboards in there to find one particularly um, braggadocious um, hot condiment. It's always talking about how 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 we work so hard. How he spent all his days just just working real hard, real physical labor. This really hot condiment, a hot condiment that talks about always like always bigging himself up. This hot condiment is talking about how he's worked hard all his life. Jesus Christ! I'm literally getting. You know, sometimes when this happens, you get it straight away. Something's going wrong in my brain. <laughs> There's nothing firing in there. What kind of hot condiment? Hot sauce? It's uh, I mean, there are a couple of varieties of it. The hottest one is the English variety, but there's a milder French one oh, as well. Yeah. So ghost mustard. It's not ghost. It's a boast. It's boast, boast, boast mustard. mustard. <laughs> boast mustard. Boast mustard. Is. Yeah, and he's always talking about how he's really worked so hard. He doesn't. He doesn't rest on his laurels. Does boast mustard? Boast mustard. 
He's had a hard life. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, so. What, what does he do? He's not. He's not afraid. He's not afraid to. He's worked on building sites all his life. He has a good day of hard work that he does. Hard labor. Hard labor. So, what kind of life has he had? Uh, um, physical one. <laughs> Boast mustard grafter life. Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> I'm not. Right. It's not happening. It's- Let's okay. Let's have a look here. Um, in this particular case, um, at Walmart one day, Gary Gary's popped along there, and he's not in the mood for sweets like he was this time when he was buying ice cream. This time, he wants some microwavable type hamburgers that can be piping hot and ready to eat in only ninety seconds in a in an eight hundred watt microwave. Yeah. Uh, but they are deceased in these case. So, what product is he buying? Ghost rustlers. Ghost rustlers, correct. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely deceased, even if they've got any animal products yeah. in them at all. Um, ghost rustlers. Um, the next, the next one um, is that the the ghost uh, the, the the team they find the the old the old equipment of, of of Egon and Co. and they once again take up the the mantle of. Um, of those people that go around capturing rogue ghosts. But then just as they go to fight goes of the Gozerian, um, they're suddenly stopped and someone says, whoa, 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 you guys have your turn after this famous X-Men villain and, and, and clone of uh, and clone of Cable. You've got to wait until, until he's had a go first. Clone of, so a clone of Cable is, wait, a clone of Cable. I was going to say clone of Cable or his evil brother that I think did become a host of Apocalypse. This is very niche, Ben. Oh, Jesus, this is incredibly niche. And I was going Cyclo- to say Cyclops. How- oh, he's his brother, right? Cyclops is his dad, or at least oh, genetically. Yeah. yeah. Um, give me another clue. Has he been in a movie? Um, I guess he is Cockney rhyming. <laughs> he's part of Cockney rhyming slang. Oh, thank goodness. I had to look it up to make sure this guy was a clone of Cable. I would have got emails slash tweets, but he is. Thank goodness. Apples and pears? No, I'm afraid I might have made that harder. I'll tell you. So uh, they're, ghost, they're Ghostbusters, but the people go, whoa, whoa, whoa. After Strife, if you don't, if you don't mind, Ghostbusters. Oh, Strife. Oh, my, that's incredibly niche. Like, <laughs> I would have... Yeah, I could, you could have had you could have sat me here for an hour, and I may not yeah. have quite got there. Um, and finally, um, once again, Gary's at the Gary's at the Walmart again. Um, but he's a bit of a food separatist. Is is Gary? He wants a huge amount, and absolutely the 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 greatest amount possible is what he wants of this sweet yellow sauce that you can have with his cake. Most, most custard. Most, most custard. But he wants it after. He wants it not before, but once he's finished his kind of jelly and whipped cream and, and fruit dessert. Jelly. Ghostbusters after trife. So, yeah, most custard after trife. Oh. oh yeah, I forgot about the first bit. 
I keep forgetting there's two words. Like every time, every time you say it, I'm like, well, well, well. So to summarize, thro- toast thrusters, dafter life, boast mustard, grafter life, ghost rustlers, just on its own, um, ghostbusters after strife, and finally, most custard after trifle. I like it. And there we I go. Very, I very the much most like obscure it. name game ever. I, I kind of had a, I had a similar one before I was trying to think of, which is also started with most custard. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's actually true. Most um, I was going to say a recent, <laughs> it was like a recent widower who was never allowed to eat the ambrosia <laughs> yellow, <laughs> yellow treat, uh, suddenly found himself free and available to eat more. If something like that. Well, <laughs> you, you, the most custard after wife. Yeah. <laughs> um, guys, do tweet in, especially if you got that strife one. Oh, You'll get yeah. 10 X-Men points to get oh, that one. When you, when you said cable, I could only think of Cyclops. So, I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, I if, we ex- if we explain the Summers family tree, we're here for another podcast, Ben. It's already 10 to 11. <laughs> yeah, that would, yeah, that would be kind of crazy. But, you know, a niche, niche, maybe a bonus episode, you know? about x-men family trees oh yeah. but time to rate the film i suppose yeah you uh feel free to go ahead if you all right i liked it as i said at the top ben i think separate this from from your memories of the past even though it does hit some of those greatest hits of the of the final of you know of the previous movies the past is a, is a foreign country if you go into this wanting it to be truly the same as the old ones you will be disappointed i found it very charming i liked the new people that came into it i think there is a lot of potential for them to do more as a film there are some bits that i think you could say as a as a general if you're trying to critique the movie, is it either too reliant on some of the nostalgia for the old bits, or if you're not so tied into those nostalgia bits, then were some were some of them completely necessary? Maybe not. But for me, I think it. Mm. Uh, I think my very specific memories of Ghostbusters and how much I engaged with it, and how much I have a fondness for it, means that it hit me and just the right spot like I enjoyed Ghostbusters and I enjoyed being reminded of those things and I found it quite a charming movie but I also liked all of the new stuff so I had a positive time I would watch another one of these um wouldn't mind having a go on one of those proton packs seems very satisfying um blasting those beams out of it so I like this a lot so I'm going to give it a Already adjusted for excitement already, and hoping that will dull down over time. We give it a B plus. Good times had by all. Very nice, very, very, very nice. Uh, so I think when I first left the cinema, I was buzzing, and I probably would have been about a B plus. I think um, I wouldn't take it as high. I wouldn't take it into the realms of the A's because it didn't it didn't change me. I think even at the time I knew that that third act for me felt incredibly, I don't say incredibly heavy handed, but in places a bit heavy handed with the 
spoon feeding of, of of nostalgia, which is lovely. Do you know what I mean? I, I enjoy I enjoy nostalgia. I enjoy. It feels nice. It. Yeah, it's delightful. It feels like being wrapped up in a warm, delightful duvet, having your head stroked, and being told, you know what, everything's going to be all right. Remember when you were a kid when you didn't worry about anything apart from like how many packs of Panini football stickers you were going to get the next day? A That's delightful, <laughs> delightful blanket made of the past. I got similar feelings when we saw Captain Marvel, you know. So I remember this music from the 90s when we just pretended everything was miserable. Yeah. And then, uh, oh, Blockbuster as well. Very nice. Yeah. Um, so I enjoyed that. However, I think I've made my foibles. Foibles? I've, I've made my um, problems with some bits of it already. Um, I've made it already yeah. clear, so it felt. I saw your tweets. I saw your tweets. But what are the Ghostbusters of women? Not on my. Yeah, I saw it. Not on my bloody what? Great cast of characters. Um, I really loved all of the new characters. I thought they were great, and there was a, they had a lot of great dynamics between them. Their relationships were good. Um, I want to see more of this world, definitely. Um, and the first two acts, I thought, set up a lot really well. It was really well paced. It felt it had its own identity. Um, it was funny, and it was like a, a really sort of engaging world. I felt like I, or yeah. I just wanted to know more. I love this. I mean, the soundtrack. The soundtrack is incredibly similar to is it Elmer? I think it's Elmer Bernstein who did the did the original. I mean, yeah, all the spooky moments, all of the action moments, all of the comedy moments had similar sort of soundtracks so it felt like we we're in that world but yeah the final act felt like a greatest hits at times felt a bit too much and even though i enjoyed it to a degree i do feel and i already said this but i do feel tad shortchanged by the fact that we didn't get a new fret or we didn't add to the mythology that already existed um with something else with something new that could really separate this it from this movie because can you imagine can you imagine, right, that we got a movie of a new villain or a new threat? They beat that villain, they beat that threat, and then suddenly in the post-credit sequence, we get a little hint towards Goza the Gozerian coming back. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. Can you just imagine the, how exciting that could have been? Because in the next movie, obviously, it's got to be a new thing. So, yeah. Why not? Why not just? Why not just kind of set it up? Do it. I mean, I know uh, they're not going to uh, borrow things from the real Ghostbusters TV show, but there's so much stuff in <laughs> in there. And what what could what what could they do there, Ben? Like think about it. Like you, as you said, shared universes are all the rage these days. What if the what if the baddie in the next one is I don't know Mumra the Ever Living? <laughs> oh God! I thought you were just going to say a two D animated ghost. You'd that would be fantastic. lose your mind. <laughs> Yeah, oh my god, I would lose my mind. Um, that's see that that sounds fantastic. So yeah, definitely got a few problems. Don't think it was perfect. Um, a nice slice of nostalgia. Nostalgia is essentially like a movie genre now, right? Uh, <laughs> but I have fun. But I'll go for a B minus because I didn't. I mean, I loved it, but I wasn't totally in love with it. Because because you're bitter about being tricked. You're like no. <laughs> Tricked by nostalgia. I'm always um, being tricked by nostalgia. Paulie Luke sent over his his notes. He said he left. He left feeling a C. 
Oh, okay. A C, a C, what, a, a mid, a mid C, a straight up C. Yeah, he just says he says a mid C, unless of course because he does end the sentence with that. Um, yeah, I don't know what he could have just been taken ill and he never finished the sentence. He could have been as I left feeling clearly that it should have been an A, but he, he didn't finish that sentence. So we have to assume yeah. that he was going to score it a, a, yeah. a C. So. A straight up C. We'll no we'll quiz him. We'll quiz him on what his feelings were. I I suspect that he might have had similar issues to yourself, right? I mean, it's a good time. It is a great film to watch in the cinema. It was a great. I felt like it was a great film to watch with my daughter because it really did feel like I was. Um, ex- she was experiencing something like that for the first time, and then passing the I torch did. to the next the next generation is that is that what you felt you were doing? Passing the bloody torch. And you were turning into a blue light and going into heaven in the end. <laughs> I was turning into a force ghost. Yeah, you turned into a force ghost because, well, these are your films now and I will bid you goodbye. I'll bid you goodbye. I'll bid you goodbye. See you goodbye at home. Well. <laughs> I'll see you at home. You're driving yourself home. Sorry. Yeah, pretty much it. But yeah, good times. Good times, I think. Enjoyed it. Yeah. So, so... I guess, well, that's that for this month. So I guess next month we've already meant, I mean, how many times have we done that on the show? Just decided what the next episode is going to be. It's pretty much what we used to do the whole time. We've done it live. So we can, we, in, in no particular order next month, but possibly next week, as we've talked about it, a bit of Chucky. Chucky. I think Child's Play is a good shout. I think, obviously we're going to do Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. So we just need to fill out the rest of the episode, the rest of the week, rest of the week, rest of the month. Rest of we, the month. Dis- we discussed maybe doing a quiz. Yeah, you know what? We'll 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 say it because you know we'll, yeah. these things will happen if we say them. If we can find worthy opponents, then I will write a quiz before uh, okay. to go to okay. go out in December. Okay, let's let's give that some thought. Let's give that some. We'll thought. We'll, we'll get it out and we'll find some other films to fill the void. Yeah. Um. You know, maybe maybe some new stuff, maybe some old stuff. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about about Hell Punchers, Hell Thumpers, if we watch <laughs> any more of it. Exactly, um, and uh, if you're on, because we have got a Patreon, um, we are going to be doing some more bonus content. We haven't done any for a couple of weeks, but we're going to do a bonus episode where we rank the um, Halloween the Halloween movies. Yeah, I've watched Discuss. them all. I'm ready to roll. Uh, yeah, so very exciting. We'll sort that out soon. Um, don't know if there's anything, any trailers, anything we can react to, but we'll try and get some more bonus content out next month as yeah. well. We're, we're starting to work on a few things. I think the next thing we're going to do is the Halloween one. Then we have maybe a comics thing in the in the pipeline as well. And maybe yeah. as Resident Evil's out, um, we can drag Luke along on this one with us, Ben. Maybe you and I can do a quick ranking of the Resident Evil games over the years as well. That would be nice. We'll Don't to need to revisit any of those. They're in my in my blood. I can do we, them all. Ah, that sounds. Lovely. Can recall them as well it's as I can recall a Jurassic to, Park ringtone. Is it going to have to be all of them or just the main installments numbered? Uh, numbered maybe numbers. we'll do num. Maybe we'll do numbered and some bonus entries because I know how much you love Gun Survivor and Ark Thompson. Oh yes, I do. And uh, oh, you can't miss out Veronica either. That's that would be a trend. No, that's that's an honorary numbered one. Maybe not. I don't know, Deadly Silence or <laughs> or uh, what's the other gun survivor one called? Um, Deadly Silence is the DS one, isn't it? Um, like Umbrella, Umbrella, one. Umbrella Chronicles, the, oh, the on rails like yeah. and ones. So, yeah. yeah, but we'll, okay. yeah, we'll, 
We'll get into that. Don't don't spoil your order now. We'll get it out there. It's a great idea. Love it. So uh, yeah. So that is that's that. That's the end. Yeah. Get on the Patreon, guys, if you want to see that. We should um, have you got the Patreon list, Ben, to thank them all. Sure do. So um, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, become a patron over at no, that's wrong. Patreon.com forward slash horror hangout. So thank you very much to our loyal patrons at the moment who include uh patron by way of hostage. He's been, we've taken him as a hostage, Mr. John Crillon, uh patron <laughs> against his will, uh Ben Scaife, Stephen Christopher, Laura Kendrick, Toby Miller, and Pazuzu. Thank you all. Um really is nice of you to support the show in such a lovely way. Um so thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Kovach Kama for our theme music. Thanks to ACAS for hosting the show. Please consider giving us a five-star, well, any rating, but five-star would be nice, rating a review <laughs> on iTunes or any anywhere else you can rank podcasts. Uh, head over to the Facebook group, Horror Hangout Board of Advisors. Join that. Talk to us. Um, yeah, that'd be fun. And thank you very much for Andy, uh, to Andy for being a right horror dude. Thank you very much, Ben. Always lovely chatting to you about a new movie. Um, yeah, and Luke, good times. we miss you, my friend. We'll see you soon. <laughs> Luke, we miss you. We hope you get over being slimed and you're back with us next week. Yeah, yeah we'll and hopefully you'll be able to, we'll be able to hear your voice again in the future and you won't have I gone so. into the sky into a, as a force goes. <laughs> oh, God. I hope he's not lost his voice forever. That would be disappointing. Yeah. That would be, that would be but you know very what? disappointing. But you, know, but you know what, Andy? We'd replace him. So, uh, oh, sorry. We've got 200 episodes of him. We could probably cut together all the words in the future. AI. We'll get him as a soundboard. Yeah. Or we could, like, AI recreate his voice and just have some sort of... Yeah, great. All we got to do is get him to say B-minus every episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Until right, next, until next time. time. Oh, Bye-bye. in sync. Bye. Bye. 